This is the Strength and Anger Podcast, part of the Berserker Strength Radio Network, featuring APF Illinois State Chairman Eric Stone, as well as AAPF AWPC Powerlifter Robert Bain. We are coming at you from 2XL Powerlifting in Lombard, Illinois, and you can find this podcast online on anchor.fm. All right, Mr. Bain, here we are, episode 52. Fit man. That's crazy. The last one of the year. The last one of the year, and uh, 52 for, I mean, not quite uh, 52 weeks. Um, you know, some were, some were last year, and then we, uh, you know, we've had some weeks off, and then we had a couple actually extras. Yeah, had some interviews. Well, and, so yeah. so should, we, should we toast to 2020? Let's fucking do it. Clink, clink. All right, here's to a year of strength and anger. And a great year it was. Uh, you know, we got some good feedback, you know, as far as loose ends uh, about our Devil's Advocate episode, the last one we just did. And we actually have two episodes that by themselves have over 600 individual downloads. Uh, not something I thought would necessarily happen in our first year, uh, to be honest with you, because we're just doing this little niche podcast out of, uh, out of Lombard, Illinois, allegedly. And, uh, you know, it's kind of crazy how it's, uh, how it's grown in the community. It's kind of come around it. Yeah, and I think you said you got some pretty good feedback on the, the Devil's Advocate episode. Yeah. Um, most people agree there's too many feds. <laughs> yes. <laughs> um, and, I, I, again, you know, the, the purpose of that whole type of episode is for us to essentially take the most diverging opinions possible. Right. And so my opinion, all feds are good, and your opinion that maybe they're Feds should are wrong, very bad, should, one should, fed. Should only be one, USAPL, USPA, all under the one banner, gold standard. Wrong. So uh, <laughs> I, the truth is probably somewhere in the middle on that. Right, um, right. You know, I think there certainly could be some consolidation, but at the same time, I'm always of the opinion that should be, if anything, it should be market-driven, not, you know, governmental-driven or, you know, I, I, don't, I don't know what people think should happen if there should be some, like, overarching powerlifting god to control that, but that's just never going to happen. Well, at that's least. what the IPF is, right? I mean, that does happen. In, we, in other countries, it In other happen. countries, the government literally mandates that the IPF should be the only powerlifting organization. I mean, w- there's been some issues in France with our WPC France yeah. uh, affiliate. It's in, very rude what they do. Not, in South Africa, literally, uh, have I told this story in the podcast before? Uh, I Maybe. have heard this story, actually, Maybe. from you and from Eric Marosha, yeah, I believe. So I forget which, I think it was 2001 WPC Worlds. Um, we should have Marosha on. He could probably talk a little bit more intelligently on this. But it was in, it was either 01 or 03, somewhere in that time frame. Mm-hmm. Uh, WPC Worlds was in South Africa. Mm-hmm. and Eric uh, was there. Yeah, he was there. And it's a WPC Worlds, not mm-hmm. a WPC, so Correct. not drug tested. Right. And apparently the governmental officials from South Africa came in the ballroom slash, you know, I don't know where it was, came in the, the meat room mm-hmm. and said they were going to start drug testing everybody. And the U.S. lifters literally running out the door. Yeah, it was it was multiple countries. It was athletes literally running out the door. Yeah, athletes literally because they said we're going to drug test you. And if you fail, we're going to arrest you or something. Right, right. Something crazy like that. Yeah. And after that, uh, the WPC was banned from South Africa. I met mm-hmm. with uh, a couple of WPC South African lifters at 2018 Worlds, and mm-hmm. they talked about it. that was like basically their first year they were allowed to be back. Yeah. It's crazy. So, you know, we talk about that, but literally there's other countries where the government does mandate that it has to be gold standard. Well, so other than that, <clears throat> Mr. Bain, uh, what is going on? 
Well, I think a few listeners do already know this, but uh, at the at the Lombard meet, the raw Lombard meet, I did not squat 700. Uh, did did talk a lot of shit about that and, and did not do it, uh, which was unfortunate. And, and it it was strictly on me. It was not uh, anything other than that. I just didn't didn't execute and uh, certainly disappointed. But a silver lining in the day, I finally got that 400 pound bench. Unfortunately, then uh, a week later, Gimmel benched. Five pounds more than you. Uh, it was two and a half kilos, and go fuck yourself. I guess that's 5.5 pounds. Yeah. Thanks a lot. I, I will go ahead and just write 2.5 on the mirror and, you know, just not kill myself every night. So, thanks, now, asshole. I, I think, <laughs> and you may agree with this or not, I think you were strong enough to squat 700. You'd done it in training. Mm-hmm. Um, I think times. Yeah. So, I don't know why you didn't squat 700. It, the one day I forget how to fucking squat, and it's the yeah, one day uh, I need to. <laughs> maybe between the years. It, it was. It 100% was, I think. Uh, no. I, I told one El Saber champion about this that on the ride home after weighing in, I remember feeling super geeked up about it. I'm like, I have made too big a deal out of this in my head. Hmm. And so this was kind of the postmortem. Um, like, oh, no, I'll, I'll get over it. I'll be fine. I'll be fine. And I, I definitely made too big of a deal out of it. So after the meet, mm-hmm. in my mind, I'm thinking, I think Bain should make another run of that. Um, I know you want to – and you're talking about this, that you may be – you're getting into some gear now, mm-hmm. which I think is good. Yep. And I'm excited about it. Yeah, I think you should. But I think that it doesn't need to be now. But I think you should make another run at a raw 700-pound squat at some point. That will my 100% opi- happen. My opinion. That that 100% will happen because that is, uh, you know, Sean Copeland told me, he's like, you still owe me a 700-pound squat, fucker. I mean, and actually lifting in some gear and handling some heavier weights might help with that. Now, there there's certainly a learning curve when you go back to raw, especially right. raw, raw. Right. Um. You know, you really have to train that bottom end, and you have to go back at it slowly. I actually jacked up my hip mm-hmm. after an equipped meet, which I guess all there was. But afterwards, you know, I was really excited about doing a raw cycle mm-hmm. and maxed out raw and really jacked up my hip. Like still kind of to this day, isn't yeah. it? Kind of, yeah. yeah. I mean, it was kind of jacked up before, but mm-hmm. we'll say rejacked it up. I don't yeah. need to go into the whole story. but Reject. Um, yeah. It was it, it, not good. So if yeah. you go in gear and then go back to raw, you know, don't just the tip to start. Not, you know, ankle deep. Yeah, not go, you know, wrist full, deep. Full, full triple ply overkill shirt like I may have done on Sunday. <laughs> yeah, well, when you go back, I suppose. Yeah, exactly. Uh, but Stone, what's going on with you? Um, yeah, since our last recording, we've run two meets here. <laughs> so I You've have been busy, man. I have been busy. Someone online said, uh, you know, thanks to Eric and Howard for fitting a year's worth of meets into four months. My, my guy, John Ponzetti, yeah. Uh, and it's not wrong. No, no, basically, not, not wrong. Very accurate. We basically missed one meet. Um, we yeah. missed uh, the Rise of the Deadlift, which we typically did in October, and that right. was basically requi- replaced with Worlds. Um, and the WPO, no big deal. Right. We we also, no, we missed two meets because we also moved our intro to powerlifting to February. Oh, that, that's right, yeah. That's, that's typically that's, been That's the November. women's intro to powerlifting, right? No, just regular, just regular, just okay. regular intro to powerlifting. Okay. Typically, we do two a year. We do a beginner's meet in the spring, and in the fall, we do the intro. Same, same basic events. Um, so that got moved to February. There's just not enough t- not enough weekends to fit everything in there. Yeah, I mean, it was it, – and it's not wrong. I mean, you guys – you, Howard, the, the staff here at 2XL, uh, really just – once the decision was made to open up, you know, the gym to, to do meets, obviously adjustments were made as far as, you know, logistics and all that. You guys basically hit the gas and went full bore all the way up until that Midwest-equipped meet uh, and finished off the year. Like, I, I think that was probably one of the more – this is probably a weird word to use, but a more heroic things because powerlifting needed something like that. 
and, and I think what you guys did was was amazing. And I think honestly, did, didn't save powerlifting, but definitely allowed it to not uh, atrophy as much as it definitely could have in this area. Sure. So it was a busy time of year, and I'm still trying to play catch up on some of that. Yeah. Um, usually we'd run like a, an event a month, and you know we ran two big events. Um, yeah. You know this in December, and we ran. You know, obviously worlds we had in October. We mm-hmm. had a beginners meet in October. We had this the rescheduled state meet in November, <laughs> which was a big event. Um, so it it was. I'm still kind of catching up for everything, and we have January off to, for me to kind of catch up and then gear up for the. Uh, the 2021 schedule. So yeah, what's, um, what's interesting is you know with all this, um, a lot of folks have reached out to like me and they've reached out to you. Starting Valentine's Day weekend, I am not home except for the first week in April. I'm either doing meets here locally or in other states, all the way up until nationals in at the end of April, uh, early May. Jeez, every just, single weekend I've got something going on. You're just Mister Popular, huh? Uh, you know, it, it's it's a it's a nice thing, and you know. Uh, our friends down in Kentucky, uh, they asked me to come down to their first meet, uh, you know, kind of, I guess, re- I was relaunching the APF in Kentucky, or is it the, the actual launch? I don't know that we've had a lot of meets in Kentucky, not okay. as long as I've been around. We okay. definitely had meets in, in Tennessee, and right. probably ran, I mean, it was close, so, uh, I mean, I guess it's no secret that the current SPF president, Jesse Rogers, previously ran meets for the APF. Right, right. Um, which is typical of a lot of uh, yeah, APF offshoots. They were APF meet directors and then decided, hey, I can just... You know, I, don't, I don't like this rule. I'm going to make it my own. Yeah, and I could just take all the membership money for myself. I mean, and whatever. That's capitalism, so yep. I'm, not, I'm not truly hating on it. I don't, it's not favored to me, but uh, I know he ran meets in Tennessee and uh, plausibly he ran meets in Kentucky, but right. I don't believe we had meets in either um, for as long as I've been around, gotcha. at least not consistently. So, so I, the reason I bring that up, so end of February, I'm heading down to, to help, uh, you know, work with the spotters, kind of help them with that, uh, you know, help them understand how to manage a platform. The weekend before that is a meet at uh, the Iron Compound down in uh, Fort Lauderdale. Oh, and they're going out to Florida. I, I am. And so their, their lead spotter, Kyle, is actually competing. And so he actually reached out to me and said, hey, is there any chance you can come down? Uh, you know, there, there's some arrangements that will hopefully get made, but I'm like, dude, it's, it's a $100 flight round trip. No problem. I'm there. No problem. No problem. So. Other than that, Mr. Bain, what is bullshit? Oh, we get a two for this week for me. Two for, well, we're recording this on Wednesday, so not Wednesday, quite a two for Tuesday. Yeah, no, so two two for Wednesday. Why not? Uh, parenting is bullshit. Here's why. Everybody tells you. <laughs> Continue. Everybody tells you it's going to be awesome. It's so much fun. Wrong. They're such blessings. Wrong. Here's what these little fuckers do. They take your money, your sleep, your youth, your food, your bed. They're little fucking terrorists. And you think you're going to have backup with your parents and their grandparents. Guess what? No. They're in cahoots with these kids. There's fucking collusion going on. They make it even worse for you. But then what is such bullshit is that they do one little thing that warms your heart and it makes it all go away. And it drives me nuts. And I got four of these little fuckers that do it all the time. Yeah. I mean, I think it's probably uh, it's exponentially increased when you have four versus me having two we we had a situation today this is actually hilarious that i i I say this all in jest by the way as far as parenting is bullshit i love being a parent i love my children but there is a new like smoothie shop that opened in des plains uh where we live fairly recently probably within the last couple months and my my wife nicole loves to support local businesses and especially you know in these hard times has really liked to to do that so she talked to the kids. Hey, would you guys like to go to this uh, the smoothie shop? Everybody says yes, except for Austin because he doesn't like to go anywhere. And 
so Nick, Nick was working on something for Lily's uh, portfolio for her modeling, which ended up taking about an hour and a half, and she thought it would take, you know, maybe 15 minutes. Every 20 minutes, Lily would come downstairs. Hey, we ready to go yet? No, just give me a few more minutes. About three minutes later, Ella would come downstairs. Hey, we ready to go yet? And again, no one would come down a few minutes later. Are we ready to go yet? And this happened two or three times to the point I'm like, has mom called you guys yet? And like, no, no, she hasn't. I'm like, then she's not fucking ready to go. So that drove me nuts. Cool, no problem. I go work on some stuff. I come back. Nick calls the kids and they take a little while. I'm like, hey, what took you guys so long? Oh, we were cleaning upstairs. We cleaned our rooms. We made sure all the laundry was ready to go. I'm like, you little bastards. <laughs> Fuckers. Always do something to, you know, work the system. But so yeah, parenting's bullshit. It's frustrating as hell. <clears throat> My other what is bullshit. What else is bullshit, Mr. Bain? Feds with more than four letters in their acronym are bullshit. And you know who the fuck you are. That's mic drop on that. Mic drop. Stone. And this one's oh boy. I, w- I wish we had another beer for you to crack open right now. <laughs> what is bullshit? Snitching on your neighbors is bullshit. You know what they say about snitches? They get stitches. Motherfucker. Um, in seriousness, though, uh, I get it. We should all, quote, be safe, and we should take the proper precautions that are appropriate to our situation. Um, the current given, situation. Given the current situation. But, in these you trying know, times. Tattling? I mean, literally. I, I thought we taught kids like Jacob and Alice's age, like, don't tattle. If it's something really serious, if somebody's getting hurt, then of course, tell the authorities. But You're killing people. Right. But don't tattle on your neighbors when you have no context of what is actually going on. Um, so, yes, we were visited by the police at mm-hmm. the Illinois Raw Power Challenge. Yep, I was sitting uh, over in the war room. <laughs> and it, what was ironic was that the police officer had to wait in line while the patrons who had prepaid for their tickets had to sign a waiver uh, declaring they had no symptoms and were free of COVID and also had to be temperature checked and were all wearing masks. The staff was all wearing masks. Um, So we had to wait in line for that, showing all the different procedures that we have done um, in all of our events to make sure they stay as safe as possible. he got a call that there were, quote, hundreds of people here. Thousands. Well, he didn't say thousands. thousands. He said hundreds of people here all without masks, and he could... You fake news. He could clearly see... And we have a big facility. I mean, it is 22,000 square feet. We maybe had 100 people here total. Yeah. Uh, it's plausible less when this particular officer came, and that was spread between the warm-up room, the separate uh, wrap room, we'll call it, yeah, the, the lifter's ba- the, room, the, the back room, room and the audience, mm-hmm. um, you know, the audience is separated well from, I mean, well, well more than six feet. I mean, we have things stanchioned off. The platform is separated. The staff is separated. The lifters are separated. The warm room is separated. All, all the spotters have masks. The judges have masks. Right. All the staff is masked. And uh, he said, you know, obviously there's not hundreds of people here. Um, his police report corroborated essentially mm-hmm. what we said, that we were in compliance and that the, the only people he observed not wearing masks were the competitors on the platform. That's in the police report. You, can feel, you can feel free to look it up, get a, you know, a, a FOIA request on that if you'd, yeah. if you'd like. Um, Lombard, you, know, you know who else just had all their neighbors? Would you like to know who else used to do that? Who'd, who else did? Communists and Nazis. Oh, really? Weird. Weird. Interesting. Um, in addition to calling the police, call, I'm guessing calling 911 for what is... 
obviously not an emergency, which is also bullshit because that officer, now granted, we're in Lombard. You know, it's not like we're in. Uh, Allegedly. Yeah, we're not in, you know, Cabrini Green in the 1990s or anything crazy like that. <laughs> wow. Um, I mean, hey, that's not wrong. It's not wrong at all. So, uh, but, I mean, when you call 911 and an officer, they're mandated to, yeah. when there's a call, they're mandated to check on it. And he said, you know, we get a call, we're supposed to check on it. And he said, and, you know. And guess what? It's not just him. There are one to two other units on, on like, on call, basically, waiting if he says, I need backup. Right, exactly. Um this uh, we're, we don't know this for sure because these were all anonymous reports. Um, this individual also called the quote health department officials and made another anonymous report, which I got a call from uh, this week, and uh, we replied back to an email that they had sent us with the police report stating that we were in full compliance of all governmental regulations. Notice I didn't say any laws because there are no laws. Exactly. There are only executive orders, which are not laws; they're recommendations. So if I will say this. I'm I'm not speaking for 2XL, their ownership, their employees, or Eric or Howard. I'll say this as somebody who competes at these meets and somebody who who comes here to 2XL. If somebody does know the person that called, does know this individual, and never wants to play them this episode, I don't know where this is going to end up exactly on the track. Go fuck yourself. Uh, yeah, I, I I can't say I disagree. Um, I said I, I'm not speaking for you. Right. I'm saying this, Robert Bain. For you know, this is me. And if you really have a problem with it, I'll happily give you my address, my phone number. Come, come through. Shit's lit. Yeah, my guess is it was, uh, you know, a quote a Karen mm-hmm. or what's what's the male equivalent of a Karen? Chad, a or Chad, Sergio, oh, or something. I don't know. A Chad uh, walking by. <laughs> I'm guessing. Well, uh, so didn't someone like walk up to the window and was like looking in? Is that the report that we, like we heard that from the front desk staff? I don't know. That's a good question. I should ask that. Um, I don't know that we had that or not. I know that. I actually talked to Danny, who was working mm-hmm. uh, the desk, and she said nobody came in the building other mm-hmm. than people that were registered. Right. She said that. She said there was nobody that randomly came in and said, hey, what's going on here? Now, could I, I could ask her again. Was there somebody, like you said, looking in through the window? I, I thought Howard had mentioned something about that. Plus, I mean, we get that a lot. I don't know that that happened sure. particularly that day. But, sure. I mean, we have windows, although now we have the windows directly in front of the mm-hmm. warm-up area covered. We have the carrying covers. Purposely. Um, but there is windows in you know our front entrance, which mm-hmm. now we have another banner which will go behind the front the, the front table, which will also block the view into the facilities. I mean, uh, as Bain said, uh, that's what happened during uh, the Soviet rule over this, over Russia. That's what happened in our Nazi- own Iron Curtain. That's what happened in uh, Nazi Germany. So if you think that calling you know the, the officials on non-compliance is doing the right thing. You know what we're doing is we're actually holding people down against their will, and instead of waterboarding them, we're just breathing directly on them and get, yeah. giving them the COVID. We've probably said enough on that. Yeah. Snitching on your neighbors is bullshit. Yeah, get stitches, um, Now, bitch. here's the question, Mr. Bain, because Ooh. now we've got the... Listen, you fake news, you fake news. Get from Santa. Yes. Um, should we change what is bullshit to fake news in 2021? Fake news, fake, fake news, fake news. I mean, I think that could be... Or should we have a new segment? Hashtag fake news. Well, reply to our uh, our Instagram post on this and let yeah. us know. Do you think we should keep it? What is bullshit? Do you think we should change it to I think hashtag I... fake news? Should we add another segment? Yeah. Hashtag fake news. Should, or should we have a wrong segment? Yeah, I don't have a wrong button. I have a fake we, news button. We need so. to, I, I want to see if this one, the rude one comes up. Come on. You, you are fake news. Okay? You're fake, you're fake news. 
We'll, we'll see if we can get that up later. Yeah, that's, that's uh, great. But nonetheless, that, uh, that's, that's a question for the audience. Yeah, we, we do want your feedback on that, though, because we, we actually do want to you know, keep the show fresh because it's the yeah. same things every week. It's, it's no fun for everybody. Definitely. So let's, uh, but speaking of that, let's talk about one of our new segments, newer segments. I believe this is number four or five. Maybe four. Four. I'm not sure. So Stone Stories. Eric, take it away. Oh, boy. I've got two good ones. I'm going to save one for next week. Um, the first one is is just, and these are both on front desk of employees at <laughs> Franz Gym. And if any of you ever went to Franz Gym back in the 90s, 2000s, just in general, Ernie has and had definitely a soft spot for alcoholics and for ex-cons. He would often hire them because I believe his father was an alcoholic, so he had a soft spot for them, and sure. he would often hire them, and... As is often the case when you hire such individuals, um, you're, you're plausible to get burned. And Ernie yep. definitely got burned many times from that. And sometimes very successful. He had a guy that used to do all his, we'll say mechanical stuff, kind of his Georgie, mm-hmm. uh, Georgie not on the gram. Sure. Um, Georgie's mustache. Yeah, a, a little bit of Georgie's mustache back in the day. But he, had, he was actually an employee at Franz Gym. And oh, wow. He did all the mechanical stuff and fixed monoliths and, you know, built stuff. Um, Any painting? Uh, I don't know about that. Probably. Cool. There's, there's probably some painting that happened there. Rock on. Um, but he worked there for a long time, and I believe he was you know, probably an ex-con, ex, ex-alcoholic. Um, Tex was the front desk employee when I first joined going to Franz Gym. Mm-hmm. Um, we'll say that he was somebody that had some physical challenges. Not At the time, he wasn't necessarily physically handicapped because he could still walk, but it, there was some challenges there. Sure. Um, I believe, I, don't quote me on that, that Tex himself was an ex-con. I don't know that for sure. The one on next week, definitely. Nice. Uh, but Tex, I mean, super nice guy. You know, again, he wasn't a power lifter, <laughs> which I didn't know at the time, and just a guy that worked the front desk. And so Ernie, at this time, he's in his 60s, maybe okay. 70s, when I run my first meet in 2004. Mm-hmm. And, you know, he's he's gone through all this shit. He's done with all this. Right. Um, that's why, I mean, if you listen to – a couple other episodes where I talk about running my first meet when somebody asked me, hey, does the APF want to run a meet at this gym in Waukegan? Mm-hmm. And Ernie said, right, why don't you run it? Yeah. You know, kind of offhanded. So Ernie agreed to let me. F- famous last words. Yeah. Ernie agreed to let me uh, rent some of his equipment. Mm-hmm. Um, now I had to pick it up myself and take it up to Waukegan. And he sent the front desk employee, Tex, oh, who really knows not a lot about monoliths and uh, we'll say that maybe he's a tick slower than maybe I and and, and others and Bain is. Okay. I mean, myself and my buddy, who is a mechanical guy, he now works in construction management. Mm-hmm. Very smart guy, but neither very of smart, us very smart, very smart. Uh, but neither of us have ever taken apart or put together a monolith. Like I have no idea. And I'm, Which, if you've if you've ever seen a monolith, like it is a contraption. Like it is a lot right. of things you have to kind of understand. And now, once you know it, you can. Yeah, you know, I mean, now Georgie could probably, with my help, we could probably take apart a monolith and put it back together in like 20 minutes. I've watched him do it by himself in 30. Right. <laughs> it's just a hand with with the yep. top piece taken yep. off. Tex, not, he also talked slow and was physically moved slow. So he, and, was, he was like physical molasses. Right. I mean, like, what's what was those guys in... Uh, in the the animal movie that Disney oh, movie, the sloths the sloths he wasn't quite that slow but it was it was kind of like that because I was hyped up trying to figure out I mean and it took us an hour and a half plus for him to explain to us how to how to take apart this monolith Jeepers. that we then had to put on the 
plausibly 100-plus-year-old uh, elevator at Franz Gym, oh which was a freight elevator for what used to, it used to be a furniture store right, in that right, building. Right. And it usually broke down every meet. And so we're hoping we don't get stuck in this elevator in the middle. Oh, my God. And, like, to get it at the level of, like, basically the loading dock, it's, like, between, like, the basement and level one. You have to, like, stop it and, like, text is like he's like you have to like kick it at this certain point to get it to stop there and then you have to kick the door open and Todd my buddy and I Todd Sharber and I were like oh we're going to die or we're going to get yeah. we're going to get marooned here in the middle of Franz gym Correct. on this elevator we don't have cell phones this is 2004 uh, yeah i don't I, really, I had a cell phone to this far. maybe i had a cell phone i don't remember <laughs> having one with me so it was quite an adventure Todd and I and then we drove an hour plus up to Waukegan put this monolith together and we're like Oh, hope we did it right. The next day, Jason Patrick squatted a thousand three on it. Wow! And Todd was like, "Well, I hope we did it right because we put that thing together last night. Wow! And never had taken apart and put together a monolith. But we didn't even. I had no. I was lucky. I had Todd because yeah. I had nobody on my team, nobody with me that had any idea how to do any of that stuff. And I've lucked in through the years of having very competent mechanical type people. Yeah. And I know maybe a smidgen now where I could probably direct some high school boys to do it. Um, but yeah, Tex. And I actually saw Tex at Ernie's uh, 85th birthday. Nice. This time he was in a wheelchair but looked to be in fairly good health. He was. He remembered me. He was happy to see me. Tex, always a great guy. Um, the guy we'll talk about next week, Front Desk Bobby. Um, he's just he's not, not, not a great guy, but uh, there's some definite – just a unique individual. Interesting stories like. with front desk Bobby, we'll call him. So Rock that's up. the stone story of the week. Tex, helping Todd Sharber and I take apart and put together the model lift. Nice. Um, so big announcement today, Mr. Bain. We do have a big announcement. We just went live on Instagram. So some of you may have seen that uh, already, so you may already know this. But for those who didn't see the Instagram live, uh, the Strength and Anger as well as the 2XL Midwest Side merch store is, is going to be live tomorrow. Uh, we're so excited about this. We've got a lot of people ask for, for merchandise. A lot of people ask about the logo, uh, T-shirts, hoodies, you know, mugs, stickers, you know, all those types of things. Uh, Lombard meat shirts uh, for those who like those. Uh, we're going to add the link to our link tree uh, as well as in the notes from the show on uh, iTunes and Spotify and all that fun stuff. Uh, really, really excited about this because this is going to allow us to invest in the show. Uh, allow us to you know get stuff out to the the individuals that we interview and uh, you know hopefully continue to bring you guys a really cool product. You know my my ultimate goal with this is that we're able to create some type of you know small revenue stream that allows Eric and I to e- even go to some of these other places to interview people. So like you know we have a big contingent in the UK, in Australia. I think there's a great uh, movement of equipped lifting in those two areas. It'd be really cool to go down and interview some of those people in person. Yeah, and maybe see some places that yeah. ha- have some historical context or see some gyms, things right. like that. You know, you know? And there's a, there, there is a thing I, I do want to do, and I think, Eric, you might just find this interesting too because you're a history guy, is doing the uh, Stones of Strength around Iceland, Ireland, and Scotland. They actually have actual tours of these areas that are like you know, week, 10-day-long tours set up where you can go and you can actually try the Who's Full of Stone. You can try all these different things. Hmm, I just think that would be really, really interesting for us to do. So, sure. again, we, we appreciate all the support that everybody has given us throughout, uh, you know, late 2019 obviously all of 2020 it's been really cool connecting with all of you and uh so we wanted to bring bring the people what they want and that is uh t-shirts hoodies uh the midwest side t-shirts are going to be available as well uh we're also going to have some of the catchphrases on there so wrong nobody cares about soccer i'm actually wearing that t-shirt right now and uh so yeah appreciate all the support from everybody and that is our big announcement huge very big very big announcement not fake news real news accurate stuff 
And uh, we're going to write into our throwback. Yeah, let's go to our, our Palooza throwback. Throwback, throwback, throwback. We're going to go back all the way to April 2001. Big throwback. Jesus. Way back uh, Wednesday. What were you doing, Mr. Bain, in April of 2001? Uh, we, we talked about this a little bit. So I was uh, I was in college. I was a freshman. Okay. Uh, I was running track, which I think everybody's going to kind of laugh about. Imagine me in a speed suit. It's basically like a, uh, a singlet. Yikes. Yeah. Uh so, funny story from my first season of track uh, in college was we're on the way to our conference meet, and we find out one of our mid-distance runners is hurt. And he happened to be the leadoff guy for our – What's, what's mid-distance for those that don't know anything about cr- track? Sure. And, and I, I, I know very minimal about track, I'll be very honest with you. I know how to run, I know how to throw things. Uh, basically, anything that is uh, 800-meter, 400 can kind of sometimes be considered mid-distance, but realistically it's a sprint. Uh, but 800 meters up to – uh, realistically a mile. Anything more than a mile is going to be a, a longer distance, but uh, occasionally you may see like a two-mile in, in a, uh, a meet, but uh, basically 800 in a, and the mile are going to be uh, the mid-distance uh, guys. So they come to me in the in the vans like, hey, uh, you, you ever run 800s before? I'm like, no. Like, I, I'm a sprinter and a, and a thrower. That's what I do. And I said, well, you got pretty good endurance from soccer. Like, you could definitely lead off the 800. You just got to get like, you know, Two flat or somewhere, two oh five, and, and you'll, you'll be good. Everybody else is like, you know, really stud runners. Uh, you'll be fine. I'm like, sure, I'll I'll do eight hundred. Why not? I'll do anything I can to help the team. <clears throat> I did not realize this was an eight hundred meter sprint. And for those that don't know, your standard track around a high school four, football is 400 field meters. is four hundred meters on the in, on the inside. Sure. So generally, eight hundred meters would be two full laps. Correct. And so you, you don't line up necessarily spaced out. Uh, you know, like you do for a sprint, uh, but you do line up a little bit staggered. And I went out kind of as the rabbit, which the the term for that, you know, in track is the person who kind of sprints out to the front, typically like a, like a rabbit would when they're being chased. And I held lead, actually, all the way up until about 600 meters, and it was right about then that I started to see Jesus. Yikes, because you're sprinting, and that's a long sprint. It's a very long sprint. So, I mean, I wasn't in a full, like, you know, I'm, I'm about to air it out for a ball or something like that, but it's pretty freaking close. I mean, I'm probably like 95% for 600 meters. How tired were you after that 800 meters? So I <laughs> – my teammates were very excited that I was, you know – And did you have other events after that? Oh, yeah. I saw the throw. I saw the jump. I had like – yeah, Yikes. it was it was rough. So some, some of the guys who were behind me did start closing the gap. So I had my teammates literally running alongside me on the track, like cheering me on, which was really cool. It was a really fun experience. And I get – I hand the baton off. And I kept the inside track. The nice thing is that I was already starting to get a little big at that point. So compared to most of these mid-distance guys, I'm enormous. And so some of them are trying to, like, bump me, and they're they're just bouncing off. And so I hand the baton off, and, you know, our guy takes off. I literally collapse on the track, and I just turn my head, and I just start vomiting onto the track. (laughs) (laughs) I'm just throwing up. And they're like, are you okay? Like, just pick me up, please. Please just pick me up. I get up. I finish vomiting. I feed, and then I went. I think I jumped like 18 feet in the long jump. Yikes! Yeah, it was uh, not a great night, but it was. Uh, but we won. We won the conference title, so I actually was a conference champion for wow. a. Wow! So, yeah, I mean, we, it helped that we had the uh, three of the top five individuals in the four by eight running alongside me. And so the, you just kind of didn't do poorly based, enough to, yeah, to mess like, it up. As long as you run under a 210, we can probably salvage it. I think I ran like a 202, which is not good, by the way. Uh, but it, but it was all they needed. 
And, and then they went out and they just they smoked it. So that is what I was doing in April 2001. Stone, what were you doing? I would have been a senior in high school. I was an 01 graduate. Yeah. Um, uh, I did no meets in 2001. I did, again, my first meet in 2000. Mm-hmm. And then I injured my back. I was supposed to lift in 2000 WPC Worlds in Vegas in November. Mm-hmm. Um, injured my back doing SBD three or four times a week, as we <laughs> talked about before. Oh, I imagine that. And uh, so I basically took 2001 to just rehab my back. And around this time in the spring, I, I kind of – powerlifting kind of took a little bit of a – I don't know, say back burner, but I wasn't mm-hmm. training as heavily because I actually did, stepped out of my comfort zone and did some drama, um, actual drama, like, you know. Not like pl- causing drama. like Not you. causing drama, <laughs> but like, you know, I did a play um, or a performance. Um, they had this thing at our high school called uh, Winner One Acts. Um, okay. It, it was in the winter and went around this time. All right. Up, up, to, up to, you know, like, we'll, we'll say – February, March, April, somewhere in that time frame. Sure, sure, sure. Um, and so uh, by April, I wasn't doing any meets because of that. Uh, mm-hmm. We did a Monty Python skit. What? And I was the dragon of the moat. <laughs> and so I had a, serious? I had a giant dragon head on. That's amazing. What's, what's ironic is that, you know, when you're in a well, – at least this is what they told me. I've, I've been in one play. That's it. Mm-hmm. That one. And they told me when you're in a play, you're not allowed to cut your hair until it's over. What? Yeah, and so, I don't know, that's what I was told. And so I, you know. Fake news. <laughs> that's, what, that's, what my, that's what the other people who were drama people, I would call them, told me. And I had, like, just dyed my hair. Like, bleached, Oh, you were baby Eminem, that's right. Like, I bleached my, bleached my hair, but yes. just, just the top of my head at that point. Cause I'd ha- Sl- I'd, Slim Ricky. I bleached it blonde, and then I'd had it cut, so only the top of my head was blonde, Jesus and it was starting Christ. to fade. And so, like, I had this like strange white man, half Eminem fro going on. It's like the new afro for the white man. And in the play, I was literally wearing a full mask, like a full head mask. Like you couldn't even see my hair. Hmm. So, well, it seems appropriate since we're in a pandemic. Yeah, there was no, there was no pandemic <laughs> in April two thousand one. Or and when I was in Winter One Act, probably a month or two before then. So, oh, that's um, amazing. Yes, uh, yeah, and I had like some kind of strange, almost like we'll say like green pajamas on that were open in the front, and they like painted my chest some kind of strange green. You hear that, Jackie? <laughs> <laughs> Jackie was not around back then. I know she. I was had. Not, I right? remember it take a lot because it was open like open front PJs though. I'm saying she may be on board for that. Right, maybe it was literally like that thick, like you know, again, like play style, like like oil based makeup. And oh it, Jesus! And it was fucking hard to get off my chest. And we did, I think, three performances. <sighs> so each time, you, you know, and you're not a hairy dude, like so that at would, that point I was had zero hair. I'd say, I, like, but, I can imagine me having to do it. Like that would be horrible. Right. I didn't have to shave my chest, luckily, Oof. at that point. But, yeah, I had, like, you know, they had some kind of, like, green makeup on my chest. Oh, my word. So, anyways, that's what was going on in, uh, in April 2001. We probably said too much on that. But let's uh, go to – That's all right. You know, the, the drinks are flowing. It's fine, man. Right. Let's go to Palooza throwback. Yes. Um, on the cover is the Arnold Classic with George Halbert with a 683 bench all-time world record at 198. What was Jordan Halbert doing that made him get that 6-3 match? Well, first, on his max effort day, he maxed out. And then 72 hours later, he did a speed workout. (laughs) So also Uh, on the cover was, and this was, you know, kind of all based around the Arnold Classic. uh, Arnold. 
at this time, there was no WPO at the Arnold. Mm-hmm. Um, there was just uh, Gary Benford, actually, um, ran an APF meet. Um, and at this meet, though, I think this was around the time we've talked before, 2000, 2001, was when Karen Kidder was getting the WPO started. Right. We'll talk more about that later. But he was there. He was not running the meet, but he was giving out prize money. Um, and on the cover, you have George Halbert, who did a 683 bench at 198. That's a very impressive bench. Yeah, it is. Um, he won. He had the top uh, bench for the men as far as coefficient. Mm-hmm. Um, but for some reason, he only won three grand. And then Rob Fusner, also a West Side guy, mm-hmm. did 705 at 275. Impressive, but not mm-hmm. to me, not as impressive as 683 at 198. Right. But for some reason, he got 5K in prize money. Um, hmm. I, I'm not exactly sure because the results showed Kenny Patterson is first, but then in the write-up they said Rob Fusner won 5K, and it sounded like, you know, you got 2,000 for the biggest bench in the meet, and then maybe you got 3,000 for winning your class, but there's only like a dozen lifters, so oh. it was a very small, very small meet. Ooh, I wonder if because I, I remember they did this at Reebok Record Breakers a couple of years ago, where it was you get like a thousand if you win your class, or in this case it was 3,000, you get. A thousand if you had like the biggest squad or the biggest bench, big, and then if you hit an all-time world record, which he, I had no idea if this would have been that uh, at two seventy-five, you get, you get another thousand dollars. So yeah. maybe, maybe that was how yeah. they broke it out. It might have been something like that. Um, Tina Reinhardt is also mm-hmm. on the cover. She did a three hundred three bench at one twenty-three. That's crazy. Although it was actually Amy Wasberger from <laughs> Westside who did uh, three fourteen at one thirty-two. She won a thousand. That mm-hmm. was a record. Um, and Doug Heath, Westside, he did 446 at 148, also mm-hmm. winning 1,000. Um, so, yeah, Karen was there. Um, he was there in all his glory with his glasses and everything, hyping people up on the mic. Um, but Gary Benford was the one that actually started the bench meet at the Arnold. It was on the main stage um, at that point, and they probably had to do a really truncated meet. That's why there's only about 12, 13 lifters. Mm-hmm. It did not appear that there was any kind of WPO finals at the Arnold at that point, just, uh, just this bench bash. Um, which was APF-sanctioned. Um, also in uh, around this time frame, in February 24th, 2001, Gary Frank did a 25-35 total at wow. a WPO qualifier um, with a 970 squat, 695 bench, and 870 deadlift. You know, none of those lifts are, like, by today's standards, they're not super impressive, but, man, a 2,500-pound total, you know, very all just – Gary Frank – he had, you know, very good all three lifts. I mean, he would go on to squat over a thousand. He was a uh, first of all, he's a mountain of a human being. Gigantic. He's enormous. He's he's deadlifted over nine hundred. Yeah. I think he's even benched. I know he's benched well over that. Maybe over eight hundred. Yeah, I think he's benched over eight. And then has, has he? Did he squat eleven hundred or no? No, I don't think he ever did. Um, but he he was again the first to do twenty six, twenty seven, and um, twenty eight. And, and um, so he did twenty five, thirty five at this one. Um, the article said that uh, at this time, the WPO semis were scheduled for July 21st, 2001, mm-hmm. and the finals, November 17th, both at Universal Studios in Orlando. I'm not sure if this was the year, but I remember Karen and Ernie Franz both talking about meet a meet in Orlando. They Ernie seemed to mention Disney, but he could have gotten Disney and Universal mixed up. Sure, because they, they are basically down the street from each other. Right, but I remember them talking about a meet that, like, they literally like closed the park down and like they told them they had to get out of there. And it like, it, it was one of those meets that went to like midnight, Jesus. one in the morning and like they were closing the park down and they were like shutting all the lights off and they were hauling weights out of there afterwards. It was just, <laughs> it was just a mess. In fact, if you go back to our Karen Cater interview, I believe he talks a little bit on this, but I've heard Ernie, 
talk about it, it more extensively. Yeah. Um, how it was just like, you know, crazy. That's insane. So real quick, Gary. Uh, 1080 squat, 925 bench, and a 931 deadlift. Wow, I don't think he ever did those in the same meet. No, but, it's tw- uh, 2733. I think he's done 28. I wonder if they don't have that on open power. Yeah, but it's I could possible. be wrong. But I could be wrong. But yeah, I mean, d- impressive man. Yeah, he yeah. he actually he's one we want to interview sometime. I would love to interview Gary. He's got a lot of good information. He doesn't yeah. go online very often because his fingers are so fat. He can't really use a, a computer or a, or a phone very well. See, if people buy enough merch, we can just go to Louisiana. We can go train with him, and then we can do it. That would be, uh, that would be very would fun to do. love to do that. Um, there was an article. Uh, oh, I, I almost forgot. We also had Bill Crawford, who had an APF meet mm-hmm. in uh, February as well, did a 750 bench at 275. So we've talked about that kind of race to 800. Um, you know, Bill Crawford at that time was one of those kind of chipping away at that. And right. uh, I guess that was one of his goals, they said in the article, was to bench 750 at 275. Mm-hmm. He was generally a pretty big guy, so probably had to cut a little bit to get to 275. So speaking of the race to 800, just a quick segue here. <clears throat> there was an attempt at 800 pounds on a bench press earlier this year. There was a mishap on the platform. Didn't go so well for the individual, which very unfortunate because they, they probably would have had it. That same individual had the opportunity to take that – 800 pound bench again at WPC Worlds didn't take it because they were supposed to do some type of like basically benching on their own at Wrigley Field. It was supposed to be on WGN and yeah, nothing ever materialized. Interesting. Well, interesting. we have a big bench meet uh, coming up in April. And I know you're looking for some featured lifters. 2021, if this individual. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I bi- have connections to this individual. The big man, you can say his name, Julius right? Julius Maddox. Julius Maddox. If he'd like to take a shot at that. Um, I guarantee we'll have the right weight on the bar. Mm-hmm. I guarantee we'll have the spotters there to handle them. Yep. I guarantee we'll have top-level equipment, best bench on the market, best bar on the market. Yep. Uh, I would love to ha- – we will – Do we – because if Julius comes, I can almost guarantee Thomas Davis comes. And you have two guys have a shot at the yeah. end And raise money for, I think, a, a very worthy cause Wonderful for the cause. Autism Society. And But it's up, you know, same platform as the WPO and WPC Worlds. Yep. So if anybody out there has got any connections to the big man. Jeff Krause, I'm hollering at you, my friend. Yeah. Uh, let's, let's, let's get them in here in April. Let's do it, baby. I've already got a couple, uh, a couple big names that are, are hopefully we'll announce soon. Um, some lifters that will do some big shirted I've, lifts. I've heard, I've heard of maybe one of them. And so let's get some big raw benches there, too. Let's do it, baby. Um, let's go on to the WPO article. There was a, a write-up by Russ Barlow, um, who uh, was uh, – meet director for the APF in Maine for many years and is back helping again now. Um, I believe we talked previously about when the WPO was started. They had this whole, like, two-platform model, and he kind of expanded upon it a little bit more. The the backroom platform and then the – Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Mm -hmm. So this explained it a little bit further and, again, said that uh, there's a two-platform format. Not like our two platforms, but basically platform one is where you do your opener in the back, not for the cameras. Mm -hmm. And you, that's standard one-minute rule to start your lift. Mm-hmm. When you get to platform two with the cameras, it's a two-minute rule. So you've got two minutes to get out and perform. So you had to earn the right to get in front of the cameras, basically. Correct. And they wanted Karen's idea because, again, he wanted the show element of it. Mm-hmm. And so he wanted two minutes so that people could, you know, kind of – Karen those glasses. <laughs> yeah. He kind of wanted people to let their personality come out. Um, Tony Conyers used to come out mm-hmm. in – uh, like a, like a gladiator's helmet yep. to the platform, and then take it off on the when he would actually lift. But he would, you know, come out, kind of get the crowd going, and you know, but that's my job. 
Well, yeah. I mean, <laughs> the lifters would definitely try to do yeah, that they, at that point. Uh, I've um, seen the videos. They they were very – it so, was really cool. Uh, yeah. And so they didn't want it so precise on the time sure. um, for them. Um, they wanted to maybe take a little bit more time. And the meet was smaller. I think it was mm-hmm. – at that time was probably only one flight of lifters, if I'm not mistaken. Or if it was two, um, I guess they just weren't going as quickly. But, I mean, it, it, I, I, I don't I, – I actually don't like the concepts. Mm-hmm. I don't like the two-platform concepts. That's a lot. I, it's just logistically I don't like it. But I will give Karen and Russ Barlow credit for, you know, kind of thinking outside the box and thinking – I mean, because Barlow even says in this article, he says, you know – we're trying to do something for the cameras. And he said, you know, let's face it, powerlifting can be boring. I, I mean, I do agree not with wrong. that. A long powerlifting meet is not exciting for an audience. It's, it's exciting for the lifters. It's exciting when your own lifter you're watching is helping. When mm-hmm. you're handling somebody, you know, you're not seeing everything else that's going on. Right. But, you know, for instance, the raw power challenge, you know, four flights of lifting, two different sessions. Yeah. Um, you know, that's, it, no one would have sat there for 12 hours and watched all that. It wouldn't no. have been exciting. Um, and that's why, you know, the WPO, it's, it's very limited because if you want to have any excitement, it has to be, you know, a more truncated format. And so, you know, I give them some credit for, for the cameras on doing something a little bit different. Uh, there's maybe something there. I don't know exactly how you do it. Um, but like you said, you have to kind of earn the right to get out in front of the cameras. Right. And, and there's, I, I like some of the logic there. Sure. Um, we have a wor- uh, an article on extra workouts by Louis Simmons. How many extra workouts do you do? Well, you know, football players, they do sometimes three-day practices, five days a week. That is 15 workouts per week. And then what is Chuck Vogelpohl doing? Chuck Vogelpohl, do- what did we say the other week? that it's he like said 25. It, that was in the article. He said Chuck does like an extra 12 workouts a week, and we worked out. It was like... Listen, you're being rude. You're fake. You're fake news. I don't you're know that. Fake news. Stop uh, being rude. It's not you're rude. Fake news. I don't know that's really rude. But, but such fake news. There yeah, it is. Right there. <laughs> you go. Um, but he does talk about extra workouts. Um, and here's here's one of my favorite. There's two great Louis quotes in this article that somewhat don't even really apply to the article. It's oh, just God, I love it. Random, that, that random makes it even more Louis. Right. Here's the first quote. But I am. Always amazed to hear a drug-free lifter say he can't train the West Side way. These lifters are going nowhere fast. You said it wrong. <laughs> Go ahead. Just do the next one right, please. Uh, uh, it's hard for me to do an entire quote in the Louis voice. No, it's not. Um, Just do it. And he does detail a bunch of, you know, circuits you can do. Basically mm-hmm. take one to three, two to three assistance exercises, do them for high reps, do them in a circuit, short rest periods, mm-hmm. somewhere around 30 minutes for those workouts. Sure. And that's where some of these extra workouts. He didn't really talk about sled dragging, which is ironic because he almost always talks about sled dragging. Yeah, he does. Um, the other one was another. Replacement effort. Right. Another Louisism at the end of the article, which, again, had nothing to do with the article. Um, the circuits are pretty interesting in there. Um, but at the end, he just goes off on a tangent. Uh, powerlifters train with the IQ of a caveman. Mm. The IPF refuse to use a monolift, and lifters are actually lifting in what is called raw or no equipment meets. What gives? We are going backwards, not forward. And that's bullshit. It's funny because around the early 2000s were when raw meets were just starting to even show up. So, you know, it's like Louis saying, like, there's actually lifters lifting raw. Why would you <laughs> want to do that? <laughs> It's Louis taking the shots. That, that might be one of my favorite Louis that's, quotes that's right there. That's pretty funny, actually. Because he, he rips on the IPF not using a monolift and rips on raw lifters all in like three sentences. I, I, it's, it's wonderful. That's, <laughs> it's really, that's, that's Louis Simmons poetry. Yeah. Uh, there was also an article by a Westside uh, disciple, mm-hmm. Sakari 
Sel Tejano, a Finnish lifter. I'm not familiar with him, but he's got an interesting story. How, we'll, ask, we'll ask Callie how to say his name. Yeah, Callie will definitely know how to say <laughs> it, and he probably will know him, actually. Um, yeah. The author ruptured his patellar tendon. He didn't go into super details, but he said in order to take less stress, and then he had to widen his stance, in order to strengthen that, that wider stance squat, he used box squats as kind of his rehab. Mm-hmm. And in general, box squats are easier on the knees because you don't have that what Fred Hatfield calls the amortization phase, that, you know, eccentric, concentric, you know, the hit that some lifters get, sure. that, that transitional phase between going down and coming up, which sure. could put more stress on the knees. Um, you know, he talks about how it's, it's a good developer, the hamstrings and glutes. Even if it doesn't help your squat, it could help your sumo deadlift. And, mm-hmm. and the, the title of the article is The Finish Finish. See what they and, uh, you know, talked about some lifters that <laughs> – he had helped train that, you know, really had a strong, you know, deadlift lockout from doing box squats. Talked about how it definitely does help teach form and it is definitely an aid when you're going for a wider stance squat. Mm-hmm. Um, and he said, you know, that's one of the secrets that him and other Finnish lifters have used for a stronger lockout on both squats and deadlifts. Mm-hmm. And I would, I would agree with that. Um, I was reluctant to box squat earlier in my career, but, you know, as you get older, you know, you see some of the the things that you haven't used, you can put into your toolbox. And one thing that I don't think some people appreciate until they've box squatted, and I don't think you should box squat exclusively. When we talk to, what's the lifter from the Carolinas? Oh, Brian are, Hill. What's that? Brian Hill. Brian Hill, who talked about how he stopped box squatting and his squat went up. Yeah. I think sometimes just doing what you are not doing could help you. Correct. Um, but I, I, I do think what Louis talks about that I do agree with is that Box squats are easy to recover from because you don't have that same, you know, eccentric stress in that transitional phase. Sure. And so if you're going to squat more than once a week, I definitely think box squatting should be in your repertoire because, you know, just free squatting three, four times a week. I know people do it, but uh, I, I think there's a there's a clock ticking. I think, I think we've, uh, we've definitely stated our opinions on the people that do that. There's a clock ticking on how long mm-hmm. you, can, uh, you can handle that type of volume for squatting. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, I, I'm in agreement with uh, Sakari. Sure, so we'll have to we'll have to ask our boy Kali how to Sakari. say Sakari. Sure. Um, <laughs> there's an article by Doug Daniels in his typical starting out uh, column, and mm-hmm. he talks about reverse grip benches. Um, you know, he talks about it's a it's a it's a good assistance exercise. Um, talks about Anthony Clark, which we've talked about yeah. in a couple you know previous episodes, being the first. Maybe to bench 800 and then not bench 800, yeah. at least bench 780 with a reverse grip, which is just impressive, even if he wasn't the first 800-pound bencher. Just benching 780 with a reverse it's grip insane. is crazy and, uh, you know, certainly in a shirt, but still impressive. Um, I like, I've liked using reverse grip benches to the years. For new lifters, um, it, it does a good job of getting them into that elbows in position, especially mm-hmm. if they're used to benching flared. It forces you. Right. It is a unique tricep builder. I found that it's something that it it it, it works the triceps in a way that's unique, in my opinion, because it's a full range of motion, mm-hmm. and you're in that supinated position. Um, it just works the triceps in a in a, in a very unique way. But yeah, I so would, it's pretty difficult to duplicate that with anything else. Yeah, I would definitely say you need a spotter if you're going to go heavy at. All sure, and if you have poor supination, like maybe if you've blown your bicep off doing quadded uh, monster mini rack lockouts, you probably need something like the Elite FTS reverse grip bar. I feel which, like that's a very pointed, uh, <laughs> you know, example you gave there. Yeah, but very pointed. Uh, but I would cool. say 
for you, going a reverse mm-hmm. grip on a standard bar would probably be challenging. But if we had the reverse grip bar mm-hmm. from Elite FTS, you could probably at least duplicate that because then you're going kind of like a, a 30 degree semi supinated. Right. Um, I don't know. Have you ever done any reverse grip benching? Mr. I actually haven't, even before I, I uh, blew my arm off. Then, yeah, I, I have not ever done it. I, I was interested in it. Yeah. Um, just haven't yet. You know, it's something I might uh, toss into the repertoire in our uh, our team workouts because yeah. uh, it's something I, I've used in the past. It's a bit west side conjugate. Right. I've used it, I've used it as a as a teaching tool, but it is a good tricep builder as well. But again, something I highly recommend. You use spotters, or you definitely use uh, face savers. You definitely use face savers because it, it is difficult to grip. Uh, to it is difficult to grip. Sure. Um, so we've got the uh, the top 100 242s from January 2000 to January 2001. Mm-hmm. And I guess it should be somewhat unsurprisingly, number one is Mr. Ed Cohn, the GOAT, with a 991 squat. We've got to get him on here, too. Uh, John Zemin, uh, Michigan lifter with a 644 bench. Kenny Patterson, number two, <laughs> with 639 bench. Um, on top of the deadlift, 848 squat for Mr. Ed Cohn. And of course, he's the top of the total with a twenty-four oh two total. One of his, probably one of his that's higher his totals. Bigger, yeah, one of huge. his bigger total. I mean, he is two hundred pounds above Paul Urchek, who is a guy who I know. I, I think also a Michigan lifter. Yeah, we've um, talked about him before. Paul Urchek was also uh, number two in the squat. Louis Simmons, number three in the squat with nine twenty. Wow. Um, but yeah, Ed Cohen is two hundred pounds above uh, Urchek, and then. 300 pounds above number three. He's 400 pounds above number four, number five, Jeez. number six. I mean, and it drops down to 1,900 by the seventh lifter. Um, and then there's a lot of lifters in that high 1,800, 17, or 1,900. I mean, he was a special man. He's That's all you can say about him. He's just head and shoulders above everybody at 242. Yeah. And and Ed Cohn is like my height. Yeah, he's, but, he's a little dude. But built like a brick. Like it, It's like if, twice. if you were built like me. And, but yeah, it's like yeah, and like twice as thick as I am, and yeah. probably thicker than you are actually. Yeah. I mean, I, I mean, I've met him since, and like, I mean, I have decently sized hands, and he even my hands look you know fairly pedestrian. Yeah, and he's probably at most five six five seven, at absolute most. Yeah, um, a local guy, Jose Garcia, as a young guy, mm-hmm. is number sixteen in the squat with a seven forty nine squat. Um, again, this is back in two thousand one. He is also in the fifties with a six. 72 deadlift. So local guy, Jose Garcia, kind of coming up. I don't know how old he would have been at that point, but probably fairly young Yeah. Um, back in the, the early 2000s. Okay, so on to the topic at hand for the day, Mr. Bain. Yeah. Um, you kind of wanted to do just a 2020 year in review, which I think was a, a good uh, a good way to finish out the year and just kind of talk about what's happened here and yeah. what we liked, what we didn't like. and We've been talking for you know, 100-plus hours this year. <laughs> definitely, definitely. Um, yeah, we posted on Instagram, like, our Spotify 2020 wrap-up. Yeah, stats or whatever. And it, you can, it, it's, you can go back and look at that. But it, it was just crazy. I was thinking about it. I'm like, man, like we, we talked to dozens of people, like, on the show. We talked to hundreds of people, off, you know, whether it's through Instagram or emails or, you know, in person, you know, once we were able to travel again, like, I just think it'd be cool to kind of wrap up the year and just talk about you know some of the things we enjoyed, and uh, and really kind of highlight some things because we've got a lot of great stuff in the archives that you know if you're a new listener maybe you haven't gotten to that part yet and so you know just kind of highlight some of the things that we really uh, you know we're we're excited about. Yeah, so we 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 kind of expanded in doing more interviews this year certainly. Yeah. Um, especially when we got to the the, the lockdown. Yes. Which we'll talk about. But uh, Mr. Bain, what were your top three interviews for the year? Yeah. So so you no. Know, 
just as a caveat, I thoroughly enjoyed everybody that we interviewed. Like the great conversations, and I mean, I personally learned a lot. Cause a lot of the people that we were interviewing were, you know, multiply lifters, and as something that I was very interested in, just hearing kind of their thought process on on winning, on gear, on just you know their training cycles. Like it was just really really cool to be a part of that. Yeah, and I and I I just like hearing people's stories. Like I yeah. like you know, especially if somebody likes, which most people like talking about themselves to some degree. Sure. Um, especially if somebody specifically asked them. Um, but yeah, I mean, I like hearing people's story. I agree. I've enjoyed all the interviews, and I like kind of hearing people's stories. Yeah. So my top three were first thing. First one is is Bob Merck. Uh, Bob and I have become your bromance. It is, and and I I love Bob. Uh, I love Stacy. Their their family is wonderful. I've had the opportunity to go to their home to train at Atlanta City Barbell. His team is great, and just getting to know Bob over the last you know call it a year basically. Uh, you know, as kind of the run up to the semifinals. Uh, and then definitely after the semifinals in uh, in March, uh, I, I count that as a blessing. And so just getting to interview him, you know, a, a dear friend uh, was really really cool. Uh, and again, these are in no particular order. Uh, next one was our own Dr. Jennifer Gemmel. Uh, you know, Jan, my powerlifting wife, is you know we like to joke around about because people when she and I travel together for meets and we're not competing, people think that we're married, and we always just find that hilarious. So. I loved talking to Jen and talking about, you know, her, her story in powerlifting. I think it's really interesting. I think women in powerlifting are, I do believe, they're the future. And I think it's just really cool to hear somebody who's, you know, really seen a lot and, and grown as a lifter and as an individual in this sport and on the platforms. And, and just I, I love hearing her, hearing her talk. Uh, the last ones, I, I could not decide between Anthony Oliveria, who I, I thoroughly enjoy, Anthony. I, I love his wife, Val. I, I love hearing him talk about just lifting and thought process and everything he does. And Dr. Fred. The interview with Dr. Fred, if you have not listened to it, I highly recommend go do so. Uh, great information in that. And so it was really tough for me to choose. So I just, it's a tie between Anthony and Dr. Fred. Which is ironic because you came up with the idea for top three. Yeah, you know. <laughs> yeah. You could have made it top four or top five. But I decided not to, and I said top three. Fuck it. Because okay. I can't. Sure, you know why? Because sure. it's top 2020 and nothing has any meaning. Top three with four. No yeah, problem. Exactly. So, but Stone, what's your top three? Uh, my, my, again, not, not in any particular order, but my, my three favorites. And, again, I enjoyed all of them. But uh, I, I don't think we have it as an interview, but it was the, the, the original WPO, which yeah. included a large interview with Kieran Kidder. Especially the extra that came in. We had to go back and call yeah, him Yeah, we actually had to go back and get a little. He, he said after the fact he remembered a story that he wanted to include in there. Phenomenal. Um, which we, we kind of cut in. I think we cut it in well enough so it's it's hard to tell that it mm-hmm. wasn't, the interview wasn't done at all at the same time. But, you know, just really, I, I had not really heard the story of the original WPO and something, again, I'm very interested in history. And so I really enjoyed hearing that story. It's been a while since I talked to Karen. He was around quite a bit when I first started powerlifting and first started running meets. And, you know, as he talked about in the interview, he's kind of taken a step back. Mm-hmm. But definitely interesting to hear kind of where the WPO started. Yeah. And, and we also talked in that, that episode a little bit about, you know, why it, it took a hiatus, unfortunately. Mm-hmm. Um, the Conjugate Q&A with Anthony Oliveira, also one of our top listened yeah. uh, episodes, just because I, I, liked hearing, I, I liked hearing his story in the first interview, but I liked the follow-up with, uh, you know, just kind of hearing him, you know, answer questions and get his thoughts on training. And, yeah. and I thought it was valuable to, to hear that. Um, I think a lot of other people did as well. Definitely. Um, and, and the last one was uh, Queen Bee, Laura Phelps. <laughs> I really enjoyed that interview. I, I, I like she's a very intelligent uh coach and trainer and mm-hmm. so i liked hearing 
the way in that which she structures her training. Mm-hmm. She follows conjugate, certainly. She, I w- you could argue she follows a, a very West Side-esque type of program. Mm-hmm. It's not West Side if it's not at West Side, but it's right. definitely a conjugate type program. But I like the way that she and uh, her business partner, Shane, mm-hmm. structure the, the way that they cycle their training. Definitely. Um, I liked hearing, as a business person and a strength coach, I liked actually hearing how she structures her CrossFit workouts yeah. using conjugate. I thought that was fascinating. Um, something that I don't plan on running any CrossFit classes, but if I wanted to run a group fitness class, I think I would look very closely at the way that yeah. Laura Phelps structures the training for her, you know, uh, CrossFit and, and very successful with it. So I enjoyed all those quite a bit. Um, again, I enjoyed all of them, but those are the ones that kind of stood out to me as I looked back through the list. The, the one thing that stood out to me with the Laura Phelps interview is, and this sounds so dumb, but I, I, I legitimately was so nervous to actually interview her because I have been such a big fan since I got on the sport. And so it was, and that, that's the only reason why, like, I didn't put that in my top three was because, because I was so nervous. I was like, I, I, I don't know what to say. And, and I, I legit fanboyed and freaked out, uh, you know, as we were getting ready for the interview. And so, but yeah, I mean, all, all the interviews were amazing. I mean, you know, from Leah to, uh, I mean, obviously Michael, uh, Michael Fahey and the, you the know, four hour one that you se- missed seven, seven plus in hours of interviews yeah, with Michael. When we did the WPO ESPN and Bain yeah. was a dad of surgery and Jan and I sat, Jan, Jan sat here for four plus hours. Yes. So, and, so between, and she kind of egged Michael on. If you listen to that, yeah. I mean, I was almost just like... Imagine that, Gimmel, like yeah. somebody else. I was like, oh, all right, let's move on to the next one. And then Gimmel would just kind of poke him, and he'd go for another 20 minutes yeah. on the same topic. And, um, and and I would say that, like, it wasn't an actual interview, but the, what, 30 minutes we got after the first interview with Michael, that you just you and me and him on oh the phone, gosh. that was unreal. Yeah, I, unfortunately, for probably legal reasons, he cannot he divulge cannot, much yeah. of the information he told us in that the post-interview interview. But oh, it was awesome. Yeah, that's pretty interesting stuff. Maybe sure. someday, again, we could he could honestly do a documentary on the making of West Side vs. the Correct. World, and it would be, I think, fairly compelling. It would be on par. Well, it wouldn't be Tiger King material, but it would like at least episode one Tiger King. Sure. Um, and I think uh, as we're looking at that, I mean, gosh, I think we should have Laura Phelps back on to do a conjugate Q&A with her. I, I would love to do that. And if she's, I mean, if she she's may available. or may not be in the area fairly soon, so maybe we should do it live. Okay. Yeah. Do it live. Yeah. Um, Mr. Bain, just your top three regular old episodes. Sure. And again, th- no particular order. The Corona Classic Series. We, we did a couple episodes on this because that was such – such a unique weekend. I'll be honest. I don't, I don't think we're ever going to experience something like the Corona Classic again. No, because if there was something similar, they just would have shut it down immediately. Right. That's that. I mean, uh, unfortunately, and I said at the time, you know, what's going to happen ne- the next time there is a pandemic? Are we just going to shut everything down? And I think yeah. the answer is probably yes. Yeah. But I don't know how much compliance they'll get the next time around. It's kind of like the boy who cried wolf kind of thing. Mm-hmm. But uh, yeah, you're right. That was being there at the it, Arnold Classic it was, was insane. One of the more unique experiences of my life. Yeah, definitely. So this that whole series and everything that kind of came out of that, I, I really, I enjoyed just kind of talking about it really in our experience. I've had people that are not involved in powerlifting have heard about this. They, they, they know like that I do the, the Strength and Anchor podcast and they've listened to that and they're like, hearing about, you know, getting, taking off from Chicago and then touching down in Columbus and then me and Jen's phone just going absolutely crazy. The text messages back and forth, you know, to start, then doing the meet with no one there. Just everything was it was nuts. Uh, 
why equipped powerlifting? Because again, as somebody who was looking to jump into equipped uh, powerlifting multiply, uh, it was cool to get that ex- that uh, perspective from from you, Eric, and, and then just to to talk about just why why it's neat, why it's fun, because we do hear if, if you if you're on the socials, you hear about how how multiply is dead, multiply is an afterthought, multiply is you know an old guy's sport, and blah 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 blah. First of all, and it's only your fake news. And it's only from the old days of the sport in the mid two thousands. Right, you're you're you know, two white podcasts are fucking bullshit. You're listen, you fake news, you fake news. Very, and so it was just really cool to kind of hear that perspective of somebody who's been around the sport, who is a historian, and you know, to get they get the feedback from a lot of people saying, yes, this is one of the many reasons I love this sport and this side of the sport. And, and I, that's why I do like those. I mean, it's my idea. So of course I like it, I guess, yeah, but, of <laughs> but I mean, I, I, I like that format of the Y series. We've done a yeah. couple of where it, I, I think there's value in, you know, actually writing out and articulating, like, why do you do something? Like, mm-hmm. I mean, we all do a lot of things in our life and yeah. uh, there's maybe some value in like looking back and like, why do I get up in the morning and do X, Y, Z now? You know, getting up and doing X, Y, Z maybe not as important, but why do I spend 10 plus hours a week doing X, like this why, hobby? Why have you spent 20 years of your life doing this? Right, yeah, and there, there's value, I think, in thinking, I mean, thinking, like, there are reasons, but I yeah. don't know that we always think them through and say them out loud, and right. I think there, there's value in hearing that, and then, you know, other people saying, oh, well, that really kind of resonates. That's right. why I've continued to equip powerlift for 10 years as well, or right. why I came back to equip powerlifting after a hiatus. Exactly. And then the Inzer versus Franz suit. I mean, it, you know, to call it what it is, we talk a lot of shit about, or at least I do, the USAPL, the IPF, and, and some of the concerns that we've got with them when it comes to, like, lifter safety and some of the ways they enforce rules. You know, is, is it a stricter standard? Uh, sure. Is it the right thing to do? Uh, debatable. But it's really interesting just hearing the relationship between uh, all that, and then hearing about all the evolution of equipment alongside all that. So everything that went on with you know the US, USPF in France, Inzer in France, all that was just fascinating to me. And then learning that, I mean, the Inzer bench shirts were literally like a, a fashion piece to start. And he got that patent and then turned it into the, the you know, comparatively monstrosities they are today. Yeah, I uh, agree. And I'll go into my top three. Yeah, um, please. You, you know, that's that's one of my top one as well. I mean, I, I wanted to try to be a little bit different, but I mean, quite honestly, we're going to talk about our least favorite things of the year. Yeah, we are. And one of that was the shutdown, and one of yeah. that was the lockdown. You know, when when two XL was closed, mm-hmm. and there's a lot of personal value for me in the three episodes that are my favorite, which is the Franz versus USPF. The in the Inzer versus Franz and the origins of the monolift mm-hmm. episodes, where I, you know, had the actual time and did a lot of research, um, you know, looked at court documents for the the two yeah. court ones. I mean, went back to some of the source material, um, found the patents mm-hmm. for the monolift for the Inzer like spacesuit <laughs> fashion shirt. Yep. Um, fashion. Right, and, and really, you know, did a lot of research, and that's why. You know, the Franz versus USPF, it, it's always something I'd heard about from Maris Sternberg and a little bit from Ernie for years. And, and, and I knew that Ernie had indeed won the lawsuit versus the, versus the USPF and had legitimate. Well, actually, he won the lawsuit actually against the IPF, I should say. Right. He lost against the USPF. You can go back to the episode and hear all about that. But 
Uh, I mean, Le Ernie legitimately kept the IPF out of the U.S. for 70, something like 17 years. Mm -hmm. And I also loved doing those two episodes, the Franz versus USPF, and then the Inzer versus Franz episodes, and how the two of those episodes intertwine, intertwine together and how... And, and there may be a follow-up episode to that. I, I would love it I if would, we could. If we could. If we could. We've got some, I don't know, tentacles out there trying. Right. It, it, yeah. I, I won't get all the details of that, but there, there is... A plausible follow-up on that. Yes. Yes. And it's fascinating to me how those two lawsuits, which were seemingly woefully separate, intertwine together and how somehow... Inzer winning a lawsuit against Ernie related to the IPF coming back mm -hmm. to the U.S. Yep. from the Franz versus USPF IPF lawsuit. And, and I'd, I'd heard a lot about those lawsuits at my time in Franz, Jim, from the early 2000s to, you know, when I stopped going there in probably the late 2000s. You know, obviously still very close with Ernie and was close with Maris mm -hmm. until she died. Um, but I, I having the time, which I typically would not have, to go in and really kind of do some deep research and look at the court documents and look at the patents. Those were really, you know, kind of personal and valuable to me. And yeah. I, I wrote two articles on that for ChicagoPowerLifting.com, yeah. which, again, I probably would not have had time to do had there not been a complete shutdown of the world in my business. Yeah. Um, and that was a very, we'll say, dark time for me. Yeah. I was not in a good mental place. That's, and and yeah. having the ability to focus on something was, was pretty valuable. And, you know... It's funny because this is kind of how the podcast even started. Me talking shit and telling stories to the young lifters here mm -hmm. about shit I've known for years, and you know, telling people, "Hey, you know, the monolift didn't even start as a as a squat rack; it started as a bench." Mm -hmm. And so, going through and doing that research, and so Powerlifting didn't start in the early two thousands at Westside. <laughs> Are you sure? Because there, there's a news outlet that has said that it did the early days of powerlifting. Fake news. Fake. Fake news. Fake. That's fake news. Um, if you want to actually find out information and history, it would behoove you, especially if somebody, I don't know, has maybe some advanced training in the study of history, you might want to actually go to some actual, you know, actually they talk about in history, they talk about, you know, primary sources, secondary sources. They talk about, you know, talking to individuals that were there, going to official documentation. So if you're interested in history, you might actually want to do some actual His research. Historical research. Some actual historical research and go to actual, I don't know, you know, court documents, books, uh, you know, first-person accounts, some of the things that we were able to do yeah. during the shutdown um, and looking at some of those things. So those are my three and favorites. Sorry forget, to go off on a tangent Don't on forget to put your name on the orange juice. Yikes. <laughs> Top three favorite powerlifting events for 2020, <laughs> Mr. Bain. I'm sorry. No, I'm not. Um, the WPO semis. Uh, you know, so semis were, was special to me for a lot of reasons. It was at a, at a really cool venue, being at the Corona Classic. Uh, you know, our girl, Jan, competing. I, I kind of was her babysitter during her, the last part of her cut, uh, which was fun. Uh, at least, you know, once we knew for sure the event was going to happen. The event itself was just so cool. 
if for nothing, it's not one of my favorites, I'll admit, but if for nothing else, it was certainly memorable. I mean, the yeah. lead up, again, we got a whole freaking episode on it. Yeah, we did. But the lead up to that where it's like there's the ambiguity of is the meet going to happen, is it not? Right. It almost felt like, you know, we were like doing something secretive by continuing to run it. Correct. And like, you know, they've got government officials saying they're going <laughs> to shut it down. They had people with like, M16s walking around. I mean, at one point, like it was a free for all. And then yeah. the next day you got to like check IDs. And yeah, it was it was crazy. It just So that was memorable, but it was one of my favorites because like that kind of solidified to me like this is a group and this is a an event I want to be around and that kind of crystallized it for me and so there's a lot of really cool memories from that uh and I'm sure we'll talk about this ad nauseum but APF AAPF Nationals in Fort Lauderdale you know there was the same thing with a lot of events where there was a lot of moving there was I mean th- this one changed time zones cities and states uh you know a couple times and so it was once it was announced, like, hey, we're going to have it in Fort Lauderdale. Here's the dates. And, you know, it, it was awesome. My daughter competed very, very well, which was cool. Uh, our man, John Chun, uh, had a great day. Uh, everybody that competed for 2XL and, and the group had, had a wonderful day. But this, the memories that we made in those hotel rooms, the laughter, you know, as you mentioned a couple of times, Eric. I mean, people on the floor falling in between furniture laughing. Our faces hurting for days on end because of just all – the laughter and and the community and just everything was just unreal. Uh, it, never forget. Never forget. Let me just read something <laughs> that was posted. I believe this was posted or a thread similar to this was posted yes. when we were at a at APF APF Nationals. Yes. Um, and this was from at huge package. Huge. He commented on a post of one of our teammates. Quote, um, basically, you don't have to do any cardio for the rest of the week due to being at six reps. Like, your body is repairing and rebuilding itself right now because you actually tore the muscle. You burn more calories repairing and rebuilding than, you, than doing cardio. Oh, that, I, I'm, I'm actually editing him as I'm reading it. He, he wrote, and rebuilding than you do doing cardio. Wow. You're burning fat 24-7 now after hitting this amount of reps multiple exclamation points bro you can basically eat whatever you want and not get fat now come on you, you are fake news so there's actually a whole thread of comments and there was probably 30 minutes of just us egging each other on and responding to like this. laying on the floor laughing and then when like somebody would get the alert that there's a response like the whole room shuts down we had security called on us i mean it was incredible it was just one of the best weekends, not even a power, just one of the best weekends of my life. It my was, man. My man. <laughs> Redemption dialed in. <laughs> so, and then also for me, uh, IPA Worlds, Atlantic, you know, as I joke about Atlantic City record breakers, the best thing about powerlifting is the people. The people you meet, the relationships you develop, and seeing so many people that, I, again, I consider great friends, uh, you know, Karen Johnson and her husband, uh, Bob Merg, his family, and, uh, I mean, Matt Magnavita, everybody that was there. It was just so much fun to, to hang out, have fun, talk about world records. And it, as crazy and as silly as that meet was, you know, 12 hours for 35 people, uh, it was just an awesome, awesome experience. So definitely one of my favorite powerlifting events, honestly, of all time, because uh, uh, very similar to – AAPF Nats, we're laughing, you know, basically from the time that I connect with these people until, you know, I'm heading to the airport. So it was just awesome. Stone, your top three favorite powerlifting events of 2020. 
Well, the first one for me, again, is pretty personal. It's it's the 2000 Worlds, which yeah. was the meet that seemingly just wasn't... Like, you guys had no business putting that on. Right. I mean, it seemingly was not going to happen. And, like, I think it was almost of sheer, like... I in like, like you said, we probably had no business putting on, but in my head, I never even considered canceling it or postponing it. Like, in mm-hmm. my mind, it was always going to happen. Like, always. Right. right. I never thought, like, oh... We might have to cancel. In my mind, maybe I just convinced myself, like, it was always going to happen. Some way, somehow, unless Pritzker's fat ass himself comes in here and shuts us down. And even then, it's going to be a struggle. We were going to run it. Um, And so it it got combined. Again, we've talked about this, I don't know when what. We did a whole episode on this, right, on the world? Yeah. Or we we, at least talked about it. Oh, yeah, we did. Um, I was about to say, at least we talked about it a lot. Yes. So... The, the two 2020 WPC at APC Worlds, I don't probably need to say too much more on it because, again, we, we've talked about it ad nauseum. Sure. But, you know, personally, it was uh, something I'd always wanted to do was run a Worlds. It wasn't exactly the way I'd wanted to run it. Mm-hmm. Um, it wasn't the numbers we wanted. But the fact that we got it in, um, I think, was, uh, and, and, it was and gratifying. Given, given that many other feds had to cancel their, their nationals, their Worlds. that Any know, big meets. Uh, yeah. And so the, you guys were able to do this one. And... It, it, it's it was a to me again it was a very courageous thing to be able to do and put that on and put it on for you know a, and put on a great atmosphere for the lifters yeah and, and along with that you know host the wpo that wasn't right. necessarily my favorite event and not that i didn't like it just for i ran world so that was more my favorite right along with howard so right. um the, you know we talked about it, the 2020 apf a, apf nationals um <laughs> again just fall, my man falling on the floor laughing it wasn't the greatest meet for me i probably We've talked about that before. I probably peaked mm-hmm. too, too early. Uh, yeah. Again, it been, but it, it was again the meet that just seemingly couldn't happen. It got moved at least twice, maybe three times. Yep. Um, we really only changed had, time zones, changed states. Right. I mean, at one point we remember going to hold it in Chicago, and yep. it, it, you know, it got AAPF Nationals got moved from South Carolina to Louisiana, from Louisiana maybe to Chicago. That yep. was never set. Yep. But, and then from Chicago to Florida. So it was. It was just the meet that, it, as you said, it was good to kind of be back, and it was good to have a meet. Mm-hmm. Um, it was good to have a little semblance of normalcy. Um, it was a fun trip. Um, yeah. My wife and I got to travel to a meet without the kids. Wonderful. Kind of for a change, and, and we had really had a good time. Um, so weird. And it's not a, not a powerlifting meet, but uh, the move into 2XL 3.0. Yeah. Um, that, that was an event. That, that was certainly an event. It wasn't, a, it wasn't a competition, but, you know, about one year ago, as of the recording of this, we were moving this gym. Yep. Uh, it was uh, five high school boys we hired, mm-hmm. many teammates. Mm-hmm. Um, it was three days of moving, mm-hmm. about, we'll say, 12 to 13, 26-foot truckloads, yep. plus many people's cars, SUVs full of crap. Yep. Um, I hope to never have to move again anytime soon. Um, I hope you guys do because you need even more space because the business is that successful. I, yeah. If we're in that position, great. Yes. Um, but I hope we don't have to move again. But, and, let, but and, let's push to the limit, please. Yeah. Let, let, we're going to be bursting at the seams. Exactly. Like if anything, we'll fucking knock down the, the wall next to us and take over the paintball place. Just have them hit the wall up. It'll all dissolve. Yeah. That's, it's pretty close to that. <laughs> but moving into a facility like this um, where we can host events, you know, fairly regularly. And honestly, if we had not had this space, a lot of the things we talked about, Worlds would never have happened. because no, not, None of these meets happen, nothing. Because hotels in Chicago have been totally shut down. Yeah. With, with the exception of being open for patrons yeah. 
for a very finite amount of time. Hyatt's are fine. The Hyatt's could be open. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, oh. Because you know who owns them? I don't. Governor J.B. Pritzker and his family. Oh, oh, I forgot. Yeah, it's okay for the Hyatt's to be open. Right. Just like it's okay for kids' sporting events to happen if it's equestrian because his daughter does equestrian. Correct. It's totally different than other kids. Totally. You all should stay home. Totally fine for his wife to fly to Florida. No problem. No problem. You see, I forgot. They're much more important than us, Mr. Bain. They're rich. They're they're very important. Exactly. They're rich. Very important people. Okay. Too much politics. Too much. Georgie on the ground is going to say, oh, I guess you guys never talk politics, but... We're going to talk politics. You know why? Because fuck those guys. They try to fuck everybody's life up. They can go fuck themselves. I don't think anybody disagrees with that nope. that listens to this. Um, but those are my three favorite events. Um, powerlifting. You know, national, oh yeah, powerlifting events. Mm-hmm. You know, nationals, worlds, and then, you know, the move into this gym that I hope we have a long and prosperous run at. Mm-hmm. Um, it's, a, it's a fabulous facility. Um, it's a great place where we can run events, and we hope to Very continue good. to run. Very amazing. Yeah. Uh, what about your top three favorite non powerlifting things mr bain and i like how you let off with the positive because holy shit there's a lot of negative in 2020 you hence, know the, why, hence why we changed what is bullshit and yeah. what is great for a short period right and 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 that's why i wanted to do this so because taking stock of this year was this year ideal i no no it was not i've i have though i have spent more time with my wife and my children this year than honestly probably the last 10 years combined because of the amount that I have to travel for work, that I travel for, you know, my hobbies, that they have, you know, activities. And that's kind of what happens as kids grow up, right? Now, are there challenges with that? Of course. I mean, you have six people. I don't care how big our house is. It's not small, but it's not enormous. It, there's still challenges that, but I've still got to spend more time with my family than I've ever, you know, gotten to, which has been awesome. Uh, honestly, doing the podcast, you know, that has been something that, you know, you mentioned earlier, being able to research for the these episodes. And that's been very therapeutic, getting to talk to you uh, you know, basically having somewhere to go, you know, our holiday had nowhere to go and nothing was open. Right. We had our holiday bunker that no one knew about, you know, parts unknown. And that was awesome. And then, you know, because of this, I've kind of honed my skills, you know, as far as, as an orator and I've been, I've been a guest on four different podcasts. I'm scheduled to be on uh, three different ones next year. Jeez. And, Mr. Mr. Popular, huh? But it's just been really cool. It's, it's something that I, I feel. I don't that, get invited on that many podcasts. Well, you, you have been on one that was pretty cool. I mean, I've been on the TWC stated <laughs> podcast. So, you know, there's that. But, yeah, it's, it was really, really interesting. And it also helped me, you know, in my professional life because I had something to look forward to. It wasn't just I get up, I go downstairs, I go to my desk, I go to my living room. And and so it, it was really, really cool to be able to do that. And then this was just me. Halloween in Las Vegas was awesome. <laughs> it was just <laughs> a fucking blast. And and getting to go with my best friend and, uh, you know, hanging out with Nick and – we, we got upgraded to this room at the hotel we typically stay at in Las Vegas, and it really was one of the the more unique hotel rooms I've ever stayed in, and we just had a great time just enjoying ourselves. You know, obviously, you know, we had some fun, uh, you know, with some drinking and all the different things that, you know, you get to do in Las Vegas, and, and it was just, it was awesome. It was a great experience, uh, especially given that, you know, this year travel was so just weird. So, Stone, what were your three favorite non-powerlifting things? This was tough because there wasn't a lot to, to scrape out of sure. out of this year as positive. But sure. I like how we, we're, we're, we're leading with the positive. Kind of like, uh, have you ever heard of the Oreo method when you tell somebody something you want them yep. to do? I'm sure maybe you do that a lot in, uh, in management. Uh, yeah, I have to do that a lot. Yeah. So for those that don't know, I'll give a quick synopsis. Like the Oreo method is basically... You give people the cookie, you tell them what you want, and then you give another cookie. So they mm-hmm. say, like, hey, Bane, you know, I really like you. 
Um, I like how hard you're working at your job. Mm -hmm. um, your sales are horseshit, but you know I like your beard. Yeah. So you you, you, you dovetail what you really want to tell them with two things that are nice. Yeah. Correct. Basically. Yeah. The Oreo method. Yes. So, anyways, uh, things that I liked. Uh, my son started a new school, and yeah. somewhere I think he's going to stay. Uh, I never thought I would send my kids to private school, and mm -hmm. I I think. Even if it had been a regular, if it had been a regular year, we never would have considered that. But I think he's doing better than it if it had been a regular year and he had been at his neighborhood school. Yeah. Um, he was starting to struggle a little bit last year. Um, not something I'm, I, I'm, I don't care about my kids' grade school grades. It's more of his development right. and um, his progression. I mean, grades, test scores, none of that really matters at this age. No. You know, but, 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 I, they're, I, but they're learning, like learning the learning process. Exactly. And so, you know, he's been, he, he really, I got to give him a lot of credit because I don't know that I would have been as adaptable as he had been to just say, yeah, I'll, I'll go to a new school. He definitely did not want to do remote learning, which he mm -hmm. would have done a lot of here at the, the latter part of this, uh, yep. this semester. And he went to a new school. He didn't know anybody. He stayed positive every day for the most part. He, I picked him up from school and he was, he said his day went well and he was happy and you know, he's working hard, and his teacher said, you know, he was always engaging with other students, even mm -hmm. though it's a small school. They have one one class per grade level. So most wow. of the kids basically have known each other since kindergarten. Right. And he's in third grade. So you know, you're, you're kind of going into a closed community. Sure. And so I, I'm very gratified how well he has done there. Um, my wife's school closed. I mean, gosh, what a crazy 18 months. And, and this is the school she graduated from, isn't it? Yeah, the school my wife graduated from, the school she taught at for 15 years, the school where we met, the school where we used to host meets. Host, I mean, has a history of hosting APF yeah. meets going back to the late 90s. Wow! And I did one of my first meets there. Um, I did, you know, one of my uh, my second national meet was there, and they closed it. And a lot of politics involved. Mm -hmm. Maybe it was a good decision. Maybe it wasn't. That's not really for the context of this this podcast, but. I've seen her take on a new job mm -hmm. at a new school, an entirely new ad administrative structure, and do really well. Um, she was doing well before, but that's a lot of change yeah. in, in one year. And I mean, on top of... In a pandemic. Right. And the top of being in a pandemic and not always having students there and, you know, and you, sometimes working from home, sometimes working there. Your business being up in the air. I mean, everything. Right. So, uh, you know, again, very proud of the way that she has sure. thrived at a new job, at a new school. She's basically only had taught and worked at two schools. And one school was only for a semester yeah. right after she graduated from college. So, I mean, that's a lot of change for somebody in one year. And, and I, I've seen that in Jackie and, and in Jacob as well. Like, they've, they've done very, very well over the last 12 months. Like, not even all things considered. Like, they are, you know, progressing uh, as, as individuals, which has been really fun to watch, you know, from, from my vantage point. Yeah, and then, you know, uh, seeing my daughter, I mean, there's a huge change that happens every year when kids are at that young age, like yep. like zero to one, like, unbelievable. Oh, that, yeah. that year's unbelievable. I mean, they go from, like, tiny and barely able to move their joints to, like, you know, walking. Yeah. And from one to two, they go from, like, maybe babbling a couple words to, like, talking some. Yeah. And from two to three. But they know the word no. Yeah. Two to three, you know, huge changes. Um, and I've seen my daughter go from four to five mm -hmm. and, you know, really develop her, you know, her little personality. And yeah, that she does. <laughs> and, gosh, she is just so unique 
and seeing, and like you, probably spending more time with her this year and with uh, Jacob, uh, but spending definitely more time with her because her daycare has been opened and closed. Mm -hmm. And she spent some days here with me, sometimes some long days where there's literally no other choice but her to be here and us to just take a break and go to the park. So getting to see her develop um, has been fun as well. And and definitely. She made a new friend here. Gosh, I got to give her a lot of credit because she just walks up to random members even when you know your yeah. wife she loves to talk to your wife oh she, she alice loves my wife <laughs> yeah she loves to talk to steffi star she does um she likes to talk to chevy mike yep. but she'll just go up to random members of the gym like some really tough dude that was here for a short time that was trying to deadlift more than you oh yeah and and she went up to him and handed him one of her like little drawings she does and you know he kind of did a a scoff back but you know it's a it's a four-year-old girl so you're not gonna you're not gonna be mean to her so, but. so alice fun story about that she actually gave me a drawing uh that night she gave one to me too and i still have that drawing in my uh uh log ah very yep. nice yeah, I have in, the back, in the back page yeah. so fun story uh your top three least favorite things mr bain i think everybody knows the first one uh this is number one we'll stay number one for a long time Rupture my distal tendon. First time I've ever had to have surgery as a result of, uh, you know, an injury in powerlifting. And, it, you know, during a pandemic, it, it was it was crazy. It, it was just a very interesting experience and not one I would recommend. Uh, definitely, I, I think I've learned from, from that as far as how to kind of monitor my training and, and kind of everything else that goes uh, alongside it. Uh, but, but a lesson learned, you know, and it, it was funny. They told me specifically, don't. Don't go out in the sun. Don't get sunburned, you know, while the scar is healing because it's going to turn like purple, you know, a very bright color, and that's never going to go away. And that was the very first thing I did intentionally because I want that reminder two two ways. One, that I was a fucking idiot one night, and I need to to not be that idiot. But also that you know, again, this isn't like a life threatening injury by any stretch, but it is something that could have changed my life because it could in theory have taken away, you know, one of the things I'm most passionate about and that is, you know, strength training and powerlifting. And, you know, in, in one of the craziest years of, of all time, I was stronger than that. And so that, that, that's an important thing to me. Uh, I saw a lot of my friends, you know, my co-host included hurting on a lot of levels and, you know, there was a lot of raw emotion in 2020. And so that was one of my least favorite things to see, uh, see some of the the hate that was you know spouted by a lot of people and uh, the absolutism that was that went on that, that definitely was one of my least favorite things and and this is selfish it, not being able to travel I if you know if you've listened for any length of time you understand that I love traveling I love going places I love eating food I love doing things I, I like that stuff and I wasn't able to and so being stuck at home, as much as I love my family, I like to go places, and I wasn't able to, and that was very frustrating for me. Uh, Eric, least favorite things? I mean, number one should be pretty obvious. It's the shutdown of my business for, yeah. you know, I don't know what it ended up being, two and a half months. It was, you know, two weeks to, to slow the spread, and then yeah. the two weeks turned into the end of the month, and then the end yeah. of the month turned to the next month. And, and then two months flatten the curve. And then, and then the next month turned to the next month, and then finally – you know, with it was about, Memorial Day weekend, basically, right? Yeah, it was basically the end of May. We were able to do a soft relaunch. Yeah. Um, that was a pretty dark time for me. Yeah, um, and I'm not ashamed to say that. I was depressed, honestly. I was, you know, if you took me to a took me to a psychiatrist, psychologist, they probably could have diagnosed me as being depressed. And that's not to 
uh, not downplay anything. not downplay anything or downplay somebody that is you know diagnosis clinically depressed i was probably there um not a good time for my wife and i we probably fought more during that two months than we have maybe the rest of our marriage combined um there was just part of it is we just don't have we just didn't have enough physical space we live in a condo mm-hmm. and i'm not hating on where i live or complaining but we you know we don't have vast amounts of room mm-hmm. certainly not for two adults and a child to be doing at home work yeah um it's just not enough physical space for that and also a daughter that needs like some attention and something to do during throughout and, the day and a couple of canines yeah yeah uh we were down to one at that point so but, sti- but still animals yeah. too like yeah yeah, yeah. so uh, the ambiguity of all of it is probably like if they had said from the start like we're shutting down for two months i wouldn't have liked it but at least it would have been kind of like okay i know when to plan things anybody just, who knows me just moving the goalposts like knows that i am definitively a planner and you know, we've got a 2021 schedule laid out for 2XL. Yep. Um, Howard and myself and our wives will be sitting down soon and kind of, you know, laying out the framework for how to move the business forward in 2021 and mm-hmm. beyond and how to keep this place thriving. Right. Um, I'm a planning kind of person. That's why I like running meets. Uh, that's why I like training people. That's why I like writing programs for people. Mm-hmm. So the lack of being able to plan anything and lack of having anything in my mind, not a lot of things to do that were totally productive. Mm-hmm. Um, it was very challenging. I was doing a little bit of work from home. Eventually, once it seemed that the shutdown was going to last a longer period of time, you know, we started doing some improvements on the facility. Myself and Georgina and the Graham, mm-hmm. Jen and my wife were coming in here. We at least working out together two, three days a week, and then you know, improving this facility since we didn't have a lot of time when we moved in last year. So, mm-hmm. you know, we put up banners, we took out a, a couple tanning beds, we replaced the floor in the back room, you know, made, made some other minor improvements here and there. Um, and at least it gave me something to focus on in addition to the podcast right. here and, and some of the research I did. Um, honestly, if I hadn't had those two things, I might have just lost my mind. And that's, yeah. that's not being... That's, that's fair, though. That's not being obtuse. That's, that's you know, that, I wasn't in a good mental state even with those things to look forward to. Um, but, but without them, I, I really would have been in a bad mental space. So it, it was probably one of the darker periods of my life. And, uh, you know, Hey, at least I had a roof over my head. At least I still had oh, health. There's, there's silver lining, but you don't, I mean, you can still be upset about it because yeah. it was, it was upsetting. Yeah, it was. I mean, but you know, I, I try not to, you know, play it up and why we, I haven't talked a lot about it because, Hey, I mean, at the end of the day, it wasn't the worst thing in the world. And we were able to continue the business running. We, mm-hmm. A lot of things fell our way. I, I feel terrible. There's been a lot of businesses that will never reopen Correct. in Illinois and around the country and around the world. So I feel blessed in some ways that, that we've been able to continue and hopefully continue to thrive into the future. But it doesn't mean I have to like it. Right. Um, it doesn't mean I think it's it works. And Are we, we going to open up a secondary business of pandemic insurance for 2XL? <laughs> there's, there's a revenue stream for you right there, man. Yeah. And, and, you know, and the shutdown, what, what really bothered me, you, you kind of touched on that, Bane, is the moving of the goalposts. Mm-hmm. When you tell me this is what we're going to do, in my mind, that is what should happen. If you say right. when X happens, then we do Y. Right. And then when we get to X, say, well, actually – we need to, it needs to be X plus 10 or X yeah. plus 20. Well, that's what, why, why was fake? Sorry, just kidding. Yeah, no. And, and that's what really pisses me off um, about the governmental uh, policies related to this pandemic is mm-hmm. that um, 
it's not been, I don't think it's been rooted in true science, uh, not in the way I would understand science. And when we've been told things, they've been either lies or they've been half truths, half truths, or they just decided once uh, they d- they decided that once it got to that that they just they just arbitrarily wanted to decide it. So what it really was was fake news. A hundred percent. The panic porn, and I don't know that I'm the first person to coin that term. First one I heard. I lo- I, I I don't like what it is, but I like the term. The panic porn that the news media has become. Um, on my Facebook, while I reposted a video from Eric Bischoff, who did a TED Talk, ironically, in Naperville a, a couple of years ago. Um, I think it might have been 2018. Mm-hmm. And I, I listened to Eric Bischoff's podcast. Um, for those of you that don't know, he was the head of WCW during their big run. He was a wrestling promoter slash booker. He, I don't know. He, he helped create the Monday Night Wars. Yeah. And... Uh, not that the wrestling part of that matters to, to some degree, but what he did in the videos, he basically cut a heel promo on the audience. He started mm-hmm. ripping them, and at first they thought it was funny, and then he kept going in on them, and then they started getting really, really quiet because they're like, oh, my gosh, this guy's, like, really ripping on us. Right. And then he started laughing and saying, you know, I basically just cut a promo on you. He didn't use those words because they wouldn't right. have understood it. And what his contention was in that video is that the news media has taken over where pro wrestling was before, mm-hmm. and – what they're operating on is they're operating on feel. They're making you feel, not informing you. And that's what pro wrestling essentially does is, is they make you feel. And mm-hmm. it's a story. And they make you angry. They make you happy. It's a narrative. Right. It, it's a storyline. And that's what I, I've watched pro wrestling since I was a kid. And I've always enjoyed it. And, and realizing that it was, quote, fake. Mm-hmm. But I, I enjoyed the story element. I mean, I enjoyed the emotion. And it was kind of a, a guilty pleasure. I could turn off my mind and just watch exactly. something. And, and, and that, unfortunately, is what's happening in the news right now. It, it, but in difference to that, it is not supposed to be entertainment or it's not designed the way pro wrestling is in a fictitious, you know, uh, storylines. It is seemingly, you know, events that are going on. But instead of just reporting what's going on, it has become we need to one-up each other and we need to generate great emotion. And you have mm-hmm. talking heads get riling each other up and like getting we, each other we, we angry. Need to, we need to burn them over there. We need to sit, get a sick burn on these guys on this network. Like, And, uh, and I'm going to talk about this a little bit more when we go into our takeaways from the year. Yeah. But um, just fear is not a virtue. No. And that's that you should never be afraid of things and that you shouldn't take notice of what's going on in the world. But having the population... Trying, trying to make the population fearful and trying to generate negative emotion all the time. It's not healthy. It's not news. And it, it, that's going to be my second. It is bullshit. Exactly. And it is also. Listen, you're being rude. You're fake, you're fake news. You're fake news. Stop being rude. You're fake news. Yes, you were very rude. Assholes. Um, remote learning is my other least <laughs> favorite thing. Remote learning, I've talked about this before, and I think my views on it are very clear. Remote learning is bullshit. I could, re- Accurate. I could really go off on a tangent on this, but it, it, you're not going to convince me that it's better. You, you, you could convince you, me that it's okay and that it maybe was necessary for a time. Mm-hmm. I think that time has long passed. Yes. But two years ago, 
all I heard when I had young kids was how we had to limit their screen time yeah. and how kids were spending too much time on electronic devices and how we school is very important. Kids yes. have to be Fit, in school. The, the FaceTime. Stay in school. The FaceTime with teachers, that one-on-one individualistic We need, and when I was personal in Personal interaction. Right. And when I was in school, we need to have, the big term was we need differentiated instruction. We can't just do direct instruction. We need to have interactive learning. We mm -hmm. need to have group learning. We need to have uh, student-led learning. And yes. I actually think all those things are valuable. Yes. Um, sometimes, you know, you just need a little bit more lecture depending on the content, but uh, you're not going to convince me in any way, shape, or form that bullshit Zoom calls with kids is an optimal way for a young child to learn. I don't think it's even optimal for... Or for an experienced teacher to teach. I don't think it's an optimal situation for older kids. I don't even think it's an optimal situation for adults. Yeah, in fact, sucks. I think in most situations, it should be a stopgap or a substitute. But uh, again... Eric, 12 months ago, if I came to you and told you, okay, here's what you need to do to educate your child, you're going to stick them in front of an iPad for eight hours a day, and they'll get 30 minutes for lunch, you're going to tell me I'm fucking nuts. And all of a sudden, now it's totally necessary. So th that's one of my least favorite things. I think remote learning is bullshit, and I think we've done a humongous disservice to the entire young populace of our country. Mm -hmm. You can make arguments about working from home with adults, um, I think that's an entirely different conversation still because bullshit. They, it's still sometimes bullshit, but I think sometimes there's some logic to it depending on what you do. But we're talking about adults who theoretically have fully developed brains and hopefully have already gotten some type of social, you know, uh, they had the social skills. And if they haven't, they're not going to get them at that point. Right. So anyway, th that's my, my least three favorite things. I could really go off on tangents of those, but I've probably said enough on them before. Yeah. We've had 100 hours talking. We've definitely talked about them. <laughs> Mr. Bain, your top takeaways from the year that was 2020. Yeah, so what a year, right? And, and I'll try to make these kind of you know, fairly quick. The world's always going to be the world. And things will, will always be going on. It, it, the world doesn't stop. Like when, when everything opens back up, right, and all this is done, the world is still going to be going on. There's still going to be, you know, COVID 2022 is going to be around. And... The biggest thing I can tell all of you, anybody that listens to this, if you take nothing else from them, I mean, this will be a longer episode, right? Control what you can control. And there are, at the end of the day, there are two things you can ever fully control. 100%, you are the one who, who has the, the wheel on these. That is your attitude, how you think about stuff, and your actions, how, how, how you, with the things you do. Your reactions to everything around you is part of your attitude. You have complete control over all those things. If you give others that control, you are giving them control of your life and you're a slave to them. So that, that's one of my big takeaways because I've watched that happen to so many people. Make sure you've got a legit friend circle it is another big takeaway. And, and, and what I mean by that is you, not only is it you know, your part of it and what you get from that, but you need to check on them, talk to them. Not everybody is okay with talking about their feelings. Eric, I would say you're probably one of those that, generally speaking, is not going to reach out to talk about your feels. That is such fake news. <laughs> no, that's actually true. Yeah. But you know what? I, I, I'm i going to go out on a limb here. I checked on you a lot early on in the lockdown. I want to believe that that was somewhat helpful. 
Yeah, no, I think it was. And again, having this podcast and something yeah. to talk about was definitely helpful. I know that, you know, other people checked on you as well because, again, we wanted to, I mean, and selfishly because, hey, I want my gym to still be open when, <laughs> when this is all over. Okay, that's fair. And the, the other big thing is you also never know when you're going to need those people. And so case in point, right, April 29th, 2020, Eric got a text from me at about 930 saying that I had done something to my arm. We exchanged a few text messages, and I, I needed his expertise and his knowledge at that point. Also needed maybe a little bit of his level-headedness because, you know, to be fair, I was kind of a wreck. As a lot of people would be. Right. You're, you're not thinking. I'm not thinking clearly. You're not I'm, thinking super clearly at no. that point. And so I, I, I needed Eric at that point. And so it's important to have a very legit group of friends because then you fast forward to August of 2020, and guess what? We had a lot of that group of friends around, and we had a great fucking time. And it was yes, awesome. Yes, you're right. Uh, you can be creative with your training when things get crazy. I, I point a lot of people to, you know, if they're not comfortable going to gyms, I point them to, you know, the queen bee herself, Laura Phelps. And the the most important thing is not necessarily that you're doing all your programming. It's that you're being consistent. You can be creative. You just It's most important to be consistent with your training, doing something, getting stuff done. Uh, that That, to me, is a huge takeaway this year because – Let's be real. Not all of us got to go to gyms for months at a time. And so it was a big deal that we had to, you know, make some things happen. And the last thing, <laughs> this is probably the one that, you know, I, I will definitely take away from 2020 is that uh, technique's important. And it's most important when you're talking about having good technique uh, when you're doing rack pulls with quadded monster minis. Because if your technique's not good, then you may end up with a nice big purple scar on your left arm and people kind of get to give you shit about doing rack pulls with quadded monster minis. So with that, again, those are my t- top takeaways from the year. Uh, Stone, why don't you get into some of your top takeaways from this year that is 2020 that ends as of this recording tomorrow? Um, Working from home is not something I do well with. Fair. And I kind of knew instinctively when I was going to school that – an office job wouldn't be optimal for me. Sure. And not that I couldn't work in an office. I could do it. Um, not that I don't do work at a desk. I do. I do it's computer true. work. I've seen it. Probably more than I'd prefer. <laughs> um, I'm the type of person that, like, needs to, like, compartmentalize things in my life. Sure. And, like, hey, I work, I go here. And right. even if I had a job where, like, and I am working for myself, but let's say I wasn't working, mm-hmm. like, in a gym and I had some kind of online business <coughs> I think it would be likely that I would rent a small office or go somewhere or rent a desk somewhere and mm-hmm. like just go do my work there I would do personally do better with that now right. if I had a mansion and I had like you know a separate wing for an office like, cer- it certainly is nice <laughs> yeah that would certainly be great to have that <laughs> opportunity I, I don't have that by the way right um, but you know I, I, I saw that Working from home would not work for me. Now, could mm-hmm. I do it? Sure. I could do a lot of things. Sure. I could I could work midnights in a warehouse, and I'd fucking make it work if I had to do it. Yeah. Um, but working from home is not something that I'd want to do, not something I'd do well with. Some people thrived. Some people did really well. I mean, I think my wife, in some ways, really enjoyed it, working from home. I know some people that freaking love it. They love not having the commute. They love being home more. I love, they love being with kind of suck balls. They love being <laughs> with their animals. They love, you know, having access to, like, just throw a load of laundry in when they're working Mm -hmm. and the flexibility of that. 
Um, I think most people be- I've talked beer, beer o'clock became two o'clock. It was nice. I think most people want like an actual hybrid, not the bullshit hybrid yeah, school no, plan. No. But I think most people would like an office to go to sometimes, mm-hmm. but then have the flexibility to work from home. Right. Uh, me, no, I, I want to work somewhere, <laughs> but that's me. Um, and again, I try not to get too much into politics. I'm not even going to say one way or another how someone should vote, but only that local elections matter and that we all need to pay attention to them more and that there is a large focus often on national elections. And those are important. I think, you know, there certainly is a need to look at all elections, but I think there's as maybe more important, those local elections, things like governor, things like your your county sheriff, things like, you know, attorney general, you know, some of these people that have made fundamental decisions about other people's livelihoods that some people just voted for because they had a letter after their name or because there was one particular issue that they really felt passionate about. And we do have a federalist system in the United States. And I think that's a good system. I think that it makes sense that more issues should be handled by local officials than by national officials. Uh, officials. That is definitely a philosophy I agree with with the, the framers of our Constitution and the founders of our country. Um, but look at local elections. They do matter, and they, they, when in times of emergency, quote-unquote, they matter even more. In regular times, they probably don't matter, but pay attention to your local elections and something that I will certainly do more so moving forward. Very important. Um, I think a lot of us take a lot of things for granted, but I think a lot of us took like just general life experiences for granted. Um, you know, going to the movies, going out to eat, Fuck. having family gatherings, um, traveling, you know, some of these just, you know, again, even just, Hey, stopping at a fast food place with you, stopping at a McDonald's with your kids or Dude, go, go after we record, going to grab a beer. I mean, my daughter who often because of cost and because of daycare right now is restricted on how many days we could even send her, mm-hmm. you know, in past years in the winter, obviously I can't take Alice to the park. And if she's with me for an extended period of time, I would go take her to a local McDonald's and let her play in the player for right. a couple hours. Uh, can't do that. No. And I think we've all taken a lot of those things for granted. And I think once quote unquote things settle down, which there's not going to be one event, it's going to be a series of small events Mm -hmm. that will get further and further away from this pandemic and things will quote return to normal. And no, this is not normal. This is bullshit. I, 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 I'm willing for a finite amount of time to alter my behavior to fit the current condition. I'm willing to wear a mask when required I'm willing not to travel when required. I'm willing to limit my my social interactions, my gatherings, the way that we do our events here at 2XL, the way I run my business, but that's not forever. And they will go back. I will, whether I'm, quote, allowed to or not, I will will go back to my normal, which was the normal of 2019 and before. Yes, where Um, where hugs are okay and you don't get a fucking side eye if you cough. um, I predict that in-person experiences will eventually make a big return. Mm -hmm. And uh, maybe selfishly, I think things like powerlifting meets, like seminars, like maybe, you know, large group training 
sessions mm-hmm. uh, in context of our business will eventually make a big return because people will want to experience life in person, not on a goddamn computer, not on a video screen, not mm-hmm. on their phone, but an actual physical real life experience where you can touch, smell, taste, and be there with other people. So to piggyback off that, there was a study done by some folks out in Las Vegas, because obviously that's a a town that has been just decimated by all this, right? Everything's based on travel and, you know, that kind of thing. The survey was based around, you know, when they're basically when things settle down, what, what's your appetite to come to events here? And, Las Vegas always has plans to build the hotels. Da, 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 da. Hilton, Hyatt, and MGM have all purchased more land around the Strip and in some of the outlying areas to build more hotels because they are anticipating a surge of anywhere from 20 to 60% after 2021 of live events in Las Vegas. Wow. Yeah. So I, I, I am 100% agreeing with you that we are going to see the return to in-person events. It is going to be... A, a windfall for many, many folks, including those that are, you know, involved in the events that mm-hmm. just get to have crowds in front of them again. Yeah. Well, I mean, and there are some people that are going to stay. I mean, because at a certain point, things become habits. Correct. And unfortunately, we've gone long enough that some of these things have become habits. And some of them aren't bad. You know, like, like, like I'm not going to lie. I will probably wear a mask on planes for a while. So because I mean, it's a confined space. I mean, like, things like ordering stuff online and just having it delivered curbside is not, like, I, I kind of like that sometimes if it's nice, just yeah. a couple things. Like, I'll admit, although I I struggle with the, the, the power that some mega corporations have, but, I mean, gosh, Amazon has a great service. I mean, you could freaking go on my phone right now and tap a couple buttons on my screen and something could show up at my door in a couple days. It, and, and that's... I literally build an Amazon order every 15 days. And... You know, there there's some there's some of those things I like, mm-hmm. um, but I think some people are just going to stay at home and they're never going to leave their house again for the rest of their life. Uh, but I think there's Tear going up. to be a pent up demand of people who, when you know the 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 flag the the green flag has been waved mm-hmm. and it's an all clear when when the thumbs off their forehead. I, I think that there there will be return to in person experiences. Oh yeah, it's gonna be fun. Um, and I'm gonna go nerd. On this Nerd. Here. Go back. If you like the Star Wars movies, go back and watch the Star Wars prequels. Um, I, I'm going to make the argument here, totally unrelated to what we're talking about. The Star Wars prequels are good movies. They're not great. They're good. They're very good movies. They're not as good as the original trilogy. No. They're definitively better than the sequel trilogy. You fake news. Oh, let's, let's argue about that. <laughs> the sequel trilogy... It's number seven is good. Number, number eight, yes. not good. Or number at least eight's, number eight's filler. That that's what they've done with trilogies now is they make a filler one. The problem is none of the questions from seven were answered. It's like they went off on entirely. Oh, we're going into nerd. We, we are. We are. But nonetheless, go back if you like Star Wars. Even if you don't, go back and watch the Star Wars prequels. There are some issues with them. Oh uh, yeah, they're, they're not. They're not perfect movies. But what I do like about. What I didn't understand as a kid and what I can appreciate now understanding, you know, politics and, you know, kind of understanding the nuances of the storytelling is, Mm -hmm. okay, when you start the Star Wars prequels, the good guys are the Republic, the, the, you know, the government, Mm -hmm. the, 
the Jedi, of course, they stay good guys, but the Jedi are associated with the government. Mm -hmm. Anakin Skywalker, who we know becomes Darth Vader, mm -hmm. is definitively, he's one of the protagonists. He's one of the good guys. Yep. What we see through the course of those three movies, very subtly and slowly, we see how an emergency, how mm -hmm. something that is, you know, uh, an event, something that threatens the security and the safety of the people, slowly, slowly, slowly gives more power, more power, more executive power to the executive branch mm -hmm. of that government and how and to an individual and to one individual um it's it's very much paralleled to the rise of power of hitler and nazi germany mm -hmm. Hit, hitler didn't just come he wasn't just one day took over germany yeah. it was it, it was seven eight nine years it was slowly he was granted more power he was granted more power his term never ended mm -hmm. It, and it was similar with Palpatine in the Star Wars prequels. Now, f full nerd, have you ever heard the theory that Jar Jar Binks is actually a Sith Lord? I have heard that. I love that so much. I, I like it. I don't think it's true. I don't think it is either, but it's But so I do enjoy that theory, and I enjoy the nerding out that someone put in. I've read the whole thing oh, glorious. on Reddit. It is Highly recommend if you have not read it. It is interesting. And I don't even hate Jar Jar that much. I don't know why people hated him so much. They hated the actor so much that the poor guy said he was depressed. Yeah. And I, he was made to be comic relief for kids. My son freaking loved Jar Jar Brinks when we watched He's, he's a dorky character. Yeah. Right. He, you know, some people just take it too damn seriously. Yeah. But what that tr trilogy of movies showed me is that we as citizens in a constitutional republic mm -hmm. do need to be and, and a representative republic right we need to be wise to make sure that we don't yield too much power to the executive branch mm -hmm. um if you hate donald trump which perfectly Some, fine yeah if you hate donald trump would you want him having all the power no would you want him making decisions about your life i i I think most people that hate Donald Trump would say absolutely not. Right. But on the same token, some of those people are perfectly fine with yielding many of their rights to the executive branch of the government. There are three branches of the government in our system for a reason. Mm -hmm. And checks and balances. Go back and rewatch those uh, those those movies. A, they're better than the haters say online. They're good movies. They are good movies. The Phantom Menace is like said like the worst sequel ever it's a good movie and by the way if you watch it in like an actual like dolby setup it is one of the best sounding films you will ever watch right right again i don't like it as much as the originals but i mean it's it's an excellent movie and and the subtext and the slow way it we go from palpatine being a senator to a chancellor to the emperor mm -hmm. i think that is what makes those trilogies great. That was make that trilogy great. Yes. Is the slow way we go from Republic of good guys to Empire bad guys, Darth Vader yes. in a freaking mechanical suit. Yes. Um, that is great. And I think they, that subtext of that yielding power is as pertinent now as it has ever been. 100% after, yeah, after 2020. Yes. So, I know we went all nerd on that. But Whatever. if you like the Star Wars movies, um, I think you will appreciate that. If you don't, well, fuck you. Yeah, exactly. You're wrong. <laughs> You're wrong. You're very wrong. <laughs> uh, Mr. Bain, 2021 goals slash, and I know you don't like them, but yeah. New Year's resolutions. Uh, so, yeah. So, I had a couple. Um, 
first first things first is I I would entertain the idea of trying to get an equipped total in 2021. I think that's fair. And I, mean, I don't think I've, you need two years of no, training and no. gear. I think I've I've, I've kind of targeted like I would like the Midwest Equipped Open. Maybe that's the the first meet I do. Uh, I've had some folks that have invited me and and you know very excited about this and I appreciate it to do some meets like out on the East Coast and I'm like I, I I like that idea. I think given the amount of additional support that an equipped meet requires, it's doing something closer to home is probably the wiser thing to do. Yeah, you're, you're reducing some of the variables right. by the, doing it close to home. We actually did a whole episode about that. I would highly recommend listening to it. Uh, and then I have a goal. Uh, so I, I like to read. Uh, I, I like to listen to audiobooks, but I want to physically read at least one book from each of my quote-unquote subjects. Uh, so if anybody's ever heard my 4S theory that you know Nick and I have for, for our lives, and this is in no order, but our life revi- revolves around four things. Fitness, finances, family, and faith. And so, have you ever heard of the three S's? Uh, I have. Okay. So, but this this one makes the most sense to us because everything has to do with either the the money we make and, and how we use it, our family, uh, our faith in a higher power, and and fitness. You know, because we like sports, we like competition, and so, you know, I want to read something uh, each month uh, around one of those four things or around those four things. So that's four books a month, uh, and so the goal is that I would finish uh, forty eight books in a year. Wow, that's a lot, player. It, it is, and it's you know honestly not too dissimilar to what you would do in college uh, or even high school. You know, you would have you know four to six subjects you'd be working on at any one time, and so I figure if I can do this, uh, you know, basically it's an, it's an hour of reading uh, per night is what it turns into. Okay, uh, fifteen minutes per subject. So that is my goal. It's uh, it's a lofty one, but I'm uh, I'm excited about it. So, Stone, what are your uh, 2021 goals? Uh, going along with one of my least favorite things, the panic porn that has become the news media, um, one of my, my, ma- my only, and I'm not big on news resolutions either. I've had goals before of uh, wanting to read more. Like, God, mm-hmm. 48 books sounds like a freaking lot. Just reading any mm-hmm. was been, and I, I've done that in the last couple of years. I've been better, especially with, uh, like you said, audiobooks, yep. which is actually my preferred. I'm a, I'm a listening kind of person, mm-hmm. so that's my preferred way of consuming books. Um, but my 2021 goal is to not really consume any news media, mm-hmm. um, and that means I probably need to limit social media since there's news media on there. Um, instead, spend more time reading and studying, and maybe yeah. even, you know, writing and, you know, producing. Yeah. Um, but there's definitely more content. there's definitely more things that I can do other than look at bullshit news, quote unquote news. Yes. Because you know what most of that news is? Listen, you fake news. You fake news. We probably use this fake news button enough tonight. <laughs> Hopefully, some people get some laughs out of it. Yeah. Or we'll get some comments that they're tired of. Uh, I don't even know how that'll sound because it's a, a literal physical button. You know what? It's not a soundboard. I'd love to do a soundboard. Oh Somebody hit God. me up, Georgie. You know, look this up. Yeah. Punch it in the computer. I used to have one on my phone. I know. There's a way to, to but integrate no, put it into. Yes. There's a way to integrate it into. I mean, we use Audacity. It's. I'm sure there's other. God, if, if we could get the platforms, wrong, the wrong button in there. Be so yes, awesome. I would love to do that. So hit me up if you have any expertise in that kind of stuff, audio engineers. Um, it almost makes me want to go. There's a, although probably they're doing all online classes, which is bullshit. But there's a Illinois media school somewhere here in Lombard. And I would there love is, yeah, there is. They were uh, advertising for a while. Yeah, they, although they're probably shut down or online now. Yeah. But it's almost worth me going and taking a couple classes there on like how to do soundboardy kind of stuff. Yeah, like for radio because that would be. Interesting to learn in addition to maybe value for this and, podcast. And I, I like this goal. I like this goal a lot. 
the other goal is to return to full power. Yeah, I've, buddy. I've not done a full power meet, I don't think, since 2017, APF Nationals. Um, and it didn't go optimally. It didn't go terrible. I didn't bomb. But it just wasn't optimal, and I've been kind of focused on bench only for a while. Mm-hmm. Hit some pretty solid yeah. PRs. I mean, increased it by about 50 pounds over the last mm-hmm. few years, which as an experienced lifter is is pretty good. Yeah. Um, I had the goal this last year of benching 500. Unfortunately, it just wasn't in the cards, given anything that went on. Right, So given the situation. And I thought about making, you know, another year run at that, but I think it's almost – I've been – I've focused on benching for so many years now, mm-hmm. for, you know, two, three years in a row. It's time to shift the focus, um, do another – full. there's people on the team that have never seen me do a full power meet. So we're moving from Ricky Big Bench back to Ricky Big Squat. Yes. So yeah, I'm, buddy. I need to I need to order an Enzer LUP. No, I have an LUP. I need to order an OG Leviathan. Okay. I think is what I want. So that that's the other goal for me. Awesome. Moving forward, Mr. Bain, do we finally have our our we've, responses for our PED we've episode? We've got most of them. There's one one outstanding. I'm gonna I'm gonna hit them up and try to uh, try to get that squared away. Um, we definitely have some interviews on the way. Mm-hmm. I've got a couple Y episodes that uh, I think. We can we can go into. I think I've got a Devil's Advocate ready ready to go Ooh, too. So good, I like it. Yeah. Um, I'd like to argue. We should maybe do an. Uh, I don't want to do it as a regular episode. Maybe we should just do an off. To- Hit us up if you have any interest in us doing an off-topic episode. Yeah. Arguing about nerdy things like Star Wars because Star would, Wars versus Lord of the Rings. Oh, I don't like Lord of the Rings. I've only watched them some. Oh fuck you then. I like sci-fi. I don't like fantasy. Oh we so well, we we'll, sh- we will fight on this. Yeah, we could do an off-topic <laughs> of just arguing about like random pop culture things yeah um happy to do so we could argue about like training styles and football teams wrong <laughs> <laughs> sorry so had to, had to get that one in there um yeah if you uh if you like if you love if you hate strength and anger uh jump onto apple Podcasts, spotify google play wherever you get your podcasts leave us a rating or review um hopefully a five-star review hopefully it, it helps uh get the message out to more people um you can find us on Facebook, Strength and Anger. You can find us on Instagram, at Strength Anger. Mm-hmm. If you slip into our DMs, uh, we might even uh, talk about you on the show. I never know. So anything else to add, Mr. Bain, in our 2020 year in review? Uh, biggest thing I take out of 2020 is just that I'm, I'm thankful. I'm thankful for an incredible circle of friends that I've developed through this crazy, stupid sport, uh, hobby, whatever you want to call it. Uh, I'm very thankful for my co-host. Uh, Eric provides a lot of levity. Uh, you know, we joke about he's kind of the play-by-play on the color commentator, uh, and I appreciate what Eric brings to the table, literally, uh, in a lot of ways. And so, definitely very thankful. And for everyone that ever hears us, th- thank you for listening to us. I-, I don't take it for granted that people would want to hear me and Eric's voice for somewhere between ninety and you know. 90 minutes and two and a half hours every single week or, you know, however often we're putting out shows. And so just thank you so much for engaging with us for, you know, not telling us that we fucking suck or, or even if you do think we suck, you know, at least saying it to our face, but none of you did. So I, I assume you don't think that way. So that's all I got. Yeah. I agree, Mr. Bain. Uh, yeah, that, that's a, that's a worthy thing to, to say at the end of the end of the year. I mean, we're a full over a year into doing this podcast mm-hmm. and, you know, we started, I don't, I don't know that I had any expectations. I didn't know how long it would last. I didn't know if it yeah. would last. I didn't know that anybody would care to listen to anything that you and I have to say. <laughs> I thought I had a decent amount of stories that I could tell and a good context of what has gone on in the sport and, you know, a, a love for, for the history of the sport mm-hmm. and the intricacies of, of the sport. So, yeah, thank you to everyone who listens because um, – 
I think Bane and I both appreciate the fact that someone, some of you out there do find value and some enjoyment and, and some entertainment because yeah. I mean, gosh, this is not, not super serious here. I, I hope that maybe super even serial guys, I mean that hope that through this pandemic and people working from home and, um, or whatever you're doing out there that uh, we've maybe provided a, an hour or two once a week or every other week of, uh, of something to take your mind off as I've talked about the, the panic porn <laughs> of, of what has become our, 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 our world, media, yeah. our world. Yeah. And uh, we look forward to, you know, 2021 and, and maybe doing some, some bigger things. Yeah. Cheers to more life, more life. With that, this is Eric Stone signing out. Strength and anger. Fuck, what a year, man.